0: Your
1: to Book Retorts. I'm Sam. I'm Danielle. And this is the podcast about sharing your weird media finds with your friends who don't know what you're talking about.
0: And what are we talking about today, Sam?
1: Danielle, I'm so glad you asked <laughs> as if you weren't obliged to every time we do this. <laughs>
0: That is the premise, but I do want to know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so today, Danielle, I brought for you a franchise that I did not know existed until quite recently. Okay. And it started with the 2004 made-for-TV movie, The Librarian, The Quest for the Spear.
0: Okay. I seen part of this a very long time ago. I do not remember any of it, (laughs) but I know it had Noah Wiley in it. Is that correct?
1: Noah Wiley. Yeah. He is a star. That's why I
0: remember it because I was a big ER fan at the time and (laughs) I loved him and definitely like saw this in passing kind of thing and no, do not remember it. So carry on. But full disclosure, big fan of Noah Wiley at the time.
1: Oh, he's charming as heck in this movie, too. He's,
0: yeah, it's his peak, for sure. <laughs> couple of things about this movie I want to share some facts
1: just before we get into it. It was made for TNT originally in 2004. The first of the librarian movies came out. It was called Librarian Colon, The Quest for the Spear.
0: You really didn't know about this? I'm sorry.
1: Why would I know about this? I
0: don't. I don't know. I mean, it was a really well-known franchise when it came out
1: in 2004. I, I, I didn't watch ER. I, why would I know about this, Danielle?
0: Because it was. I don't know. It was on TV. You didn't have to watch ER to know that the library – Anyway, I, I'm and glad now, you finally I mean, discovered if, if we try this to, like, Treasure like Judging Sam. each other on what
1: we don't know about certain media. <laughs> this is going to get real vicious, real quick.
0: <laughs> it's true. All right, carry on. I'm sorry to interrupt.
1: Thank you, Danielle. I don't <laughs> appreciate your shade. <laughs>
0: It just seemed like it was everywhere for a while. I was just impressed that you hadn't somehow come across it.
1: Yeah, well, you know, but here we are. I did come across it just a few years late. (laughs) So there were three TV movies made in total. The latter two were directed by the amazing Jonathan Frakes. Ooh. Commander Riker, of course.
0: That's a six degrees thing.
1: I know. I'm very excited to watch those ones. This one was not directed by him, unfortunately, but, you know, we'll let that slide. There was also a TV series that ran for four seasons. I didn't realize that. Yeah, called The Librarian. C Danielle? and everyone knows everything about everything. <laughs> and a couple of books and a couple of comics. So really a sprawling franchise that I am still kind of in awe managed to get that big.
0: See, I knew it was a really big franchise. That's why I was surprised you hadn't seen it.
1: Yeah, well, you know what? It. Different circles, I guess, Danielle. I was never into the whole ER, made-for-TV movie, lifetime original scene.
0: I wouldn't say that I am other than ER, but apparently I am. (laughs) More than I am, Danielle, is
1: all I got to say. All right, so I'm going to send you a description that I copied verbatim from IMDb, so you know it can be great, and it has just the least amount of care I've ever seen put into a description. There are just all kinds of typos, and it makes very little sense, so I'm delighted to share this with you.
0: Yay! says a bookworm becomes the librarian same night a magical spear gets stolen and he's off to get some real life experience around the globe on his quest for the spear starting with being thrown off plane over amazonas by his cute helper
1: right okay that made as much sense as i think it needed to
0: (laughs) I like that they make a reference to the librarian like it makes sense. A bookworm becomes a librarian. You're like, okay.
1: <laughs> Full stop. What does that mean? Figure it out. dum dum. Watch the movie. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It tells you absolutely nothing, but somehow everything about the quality of this movie.
0: Yeah, I'm feeling it.
1: Which is to say, it is made for TV quality, but it feels like they put a lot of fun and effort into it, but not like too much effort.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, I really want to watch this. And maybe ER... <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, well, that's a different podcast, Andrea, I'm sure. <laughs> so, the librarian opens with credits in the papyrus font because, of course. Of course. We're in an Egyptian tomb, uh, presumably one of the Great Pyramids, a woman in glasses lamenting that she can't find the translation for any of these hieroglyphs. A man explains that she's focusing on the wrong dynasty and he's sort of leading this class, it looks like, through the pyramid. So, I'm, my first thought is, who got this random joker into the Great Pyramids of Giza to wander around and pot things with his because that does not seem like how that would work.
0: Maybe he paid off the Egyptian government. Well,
1: this movie is more clever than I gave it credit for. Well, first, he claims that if even one stone was so much as an inch out of alignment, the whole pyramid would collapse. And I don't think that's true. <laughs> I don't know how pyramids work. I don't know how construction works. I don't know how inches work. Because <laughs> if only one inch was needed to take the whole pyramid down, I'm surprised they lasted this long. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, no, that's nonsense. But it will become a pivotal plot point later, so remember it. <laughs> okay. He then does a sort of standard Eurocentric racist thing about, like, how do these primitives unlock the mystery of trigonometry, calculus, and engineering centuries ahead of their time? I'm like, look, dude, just because ancient peoples who weren't Europeans figured these things out doesn't mean that they were like aliens helping or something. Some people just did things better than Europeans did. I'm sorry. Get over yourself.
0: You don't know that they're not aliens, Sam.
1: Uh, In this movie, I do. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) But also, that is a unfortunate and Eurocentric viewpoint that I do not appreciate.
0: It is. I agree.
1: He answers this question, though. He says, they reached past themselves and touched the divine. So I guess he's giving them some credit. I don't know. (laughs) So he walks out of the pyramid, and then a janitor comes up and is like, hey, where's the vomit? And psych, it's actually just a mock-up of the pyramid. That's a 120th scale mock-up built in a museum.
0: Oh, they got you good.
1: They got me good. I fell for that. I mean, again, I I couldn't tell the difference because of the (laughs) CGI quality of this pyramid. I thought I could have been trying to do the real one, but here we are.
0: Is there a lot of CGI in this movie? Oh, yeah. Yay.
1: Is it good? No.
0: <laughs> I didn't assume it would be.
1: A lot of green screen, too. <laughs> so he's actually a student, not the professor. And this class is assembling this pyramid in the museum. Like, they're there building, like, hoisting up the giant capstone, like a golden capstone on ropes that they're... Why are the students building the pyramid in the museum? Like, don't they have professionals to do that?
0: Maybe they're... It's part of a project for the school.
1: I don't know. It just seems a little weird. But that's not the point. The point is the real professor, who who's like a classic nerd, he gives a little speech about how they finally did it. They built the fake pyramid. Well done. No one said we could build a 128-scale replica with the golden capstone, but we did. Go us.
0: Why couldn't they do it?
1: I think because, well, they use actual stones from the pyramid, it sounds like. So I'm not sure how they got their hands on those.
0: (laughs) Wait a second.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that seems to me like they maybe did a British museum style, just stealing everything they could from Egypt. That seems very questionable. It is very questionable. (laughs) So the student, whose name is Flynn, he goes up to the professor after the speech, and the professor's like, hey, Flynn, you're off the Pyramid Project. Flynn's like, I'm your best student. How can you do that to me? He's like, you're my best student, but you're everybody's best students. You already got four Egyptology degrees. I'm like, wait, what?
0: (laughs) (laughs) How do you keep getting the same degree over and over? Is it four different Egyptology? Egyptology degrees.
1: And he seems like imply they're focusing on different dynasties, Got but it. I don't know. But Professor, like, you don't need any more degrees. In fact, you have 22 degrees in total so far. Is he rich? No.
0: Is he scholarship? How does he pay for that?
1: <laughs> I mean, I'm, he seems well enough off, I guess. But my, my question is, how does he pay for that? How does he have time for that? 22 degrees? And if he has four degrees in, in focusing in different areas of Egyptology, that implies they're advanced degrees, right?
0: i just assume...
1: So 22 degrees, even if you got a degree a year, you'd have to be like... 40, and he is not 40.
0: Maybe he's doing multiple degrees a year. Maybe he just, like, learns information very, very quickly.
1: I suppose, but it still seems... It had me feeling very incredulous about that. I think it's pulled a number out of their butts.
0: Like Doogie Hauser.
1: <laughs> Doogie Howser even only has, like, one medical degree. He doesn't have 17 medical degrees. Sure, but
0: he didn't want 17 medical degrees. I bet Doogie Howser could have gotten 17 medical
1: degrees. <laughs> well, maybe Doogie Hauser is the librarian in a different universe.
0: <laughs> I'd watch that.
1: Anyway, the professor is like, you don't have a life. You need to go out. You need to go dancing. You need to find a job. You got to stop being a student. You're giving your degree early. And Flynn's like, what do you mean? so will smash you. If you get my degree now, it'll be six months before I can re-enroll. And then... Professor, like, yeah, exactly. Now like, get out. And I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute. Is it really the professor or the administration's job to tell a student that they're done? Like, hey, you've been a student too long. You need to go find a job. Like, as long as he's a student in good standing, why are they telling him what to do with his life?
0: Yeah, I don't think, I don't think legally they could. <laughs> I
1: don't know about legally. It just seems like that's more of a parent thing than like the school professor slash administration who's like, well, you've completed a bunch of degrees and you're paying all your bills. Everything's fine. But you know what? We just feel like you've been a student for too long. Like, that's, not your call to make school.
0: Don't you, like, as a whole, don't most universities just want the money?
1: <laughs> Honestly, yes. <laughs> so as someone who has been in academia, <laughs> yes. <laughs>
0: So I don't see why they care if somebody who's sticking around for – that's a lot of money for 22 yeah, degrees.
1: I mean, maybe they're all like public school, so it's not a lot of money. But either way, it still is not their place to tell him how he can and can't stop his learning. Yeah, that's weird. So anyway, that was weird. The first just uh, kicks him out, like, get out. And as Flynn is leaving, we get a brief shot of a weird dude who is Bob Newhart. Okay. Watching Flynn from an upper level of the museum as Flynn sadly leaves and goes home.
0: Yeah, well, Bob Newhart is kind of weird.
1: So I'm going to be honest; we don't learn Bob Newhart's character name for like an hour. So I'm just going to call him Bob for the rest of the movie. That works for me. You it.
0: know that I'm always down for made up names. Well, Bob Newhart is not his made up name; it's <laughs> yeah, actual his made name. up name in the actual show.
1: His actual name in the show is, I think, Judson, which is pretty awesome.
0: (laughs) It was like a House of Wax where all I did was call all the characters by their actor names. (laughs) Right. Well, because, again, they never say the
1: name (laughs) Judson until like an hour or so into an hour and 40 minute movie. Yeah, that was not
0: the problem with House of Wax. It's just more fun to say (laughs) Chad Michael Murray and Jared (laughs) Padlocki.
1: (laughs) Fun words to say. So Flynn lives at home with his mom, played by Lumpi Dukakis. They got some good names for this movie. They did a good job with the casting. They do.
0: And Noah Wiley was, you know, like I said, peak.
1: Yeah, Uh, peak Noah Wiley. It was. And she seems to be putting on a very happy face. He's like, oh, welcome home, my my son, my educated son. We love you, et cetera, et cetera. So she's very
0: educated son. She
1: says something about, like, the student or whatever. She just seems <laughs> thrilled that he's a student, although, honestly, she's probably not. <laughs> Flynn is down the dumps about not being in school. He laments how the books of great writers speak to him, and his mom is like, do they tell you to set fires? Don't listen to the books that they tell you to hurt <laughs> small animals. So she seems to, like, not quite get it. <laughs>
0: Why doesn't he go into a career in academia? Look,
1: Danielle, there are lots of solutions he could have (laughs) had, but apparently he doesn't want any of them.
0: (laughs) Okay, well, carry on.
1: I agree, though. If he had become, like, an assistant professor or something, problem solved. Right,
0: you could be staying in school forever.
1: Anyway, there's a ring at the doorbell. Surprise! His mom invited over a girl for a surprise dinner date with Flynn. Uh Uh-oh, blind date. Yep, trying to set him up. Flynn is not into it. And his mom says, like, don't do what you always do. What does he always do? We never find out. Nothing good. Probably not.
0: Does he talk about his twenty two degrees? Because that would be really boring really fast. <laughs> uh as a matter of fact.
1: <laughs> so enter Deborah. She is not a dragon. Callback.
0: Aw sad. I know. <laughs> we only like Deborah dragons around here.
1: <laughs> Deborah the dragon, yeah. <laughs> Deborah the dragon. <laughs> anyway uh deborah who not a dragon seems a very nice woman apparently their moms are friends and are both trying to set them up and deborah laments about like how her pushy mom like she doesn't need to get this together i'm happy it's not like i sit around locked in my room all day and then Flynn's like uh and i'm like wait a minute that feels like an attack i'm offended by the characterization of shut-ins because i am sometimes one <laughs> so deborah you're on thin ice
0: I'm not a shut-in. <laughs> e- <laughs> like twenty-five percent.
1: We all go through like little little spurts of being a shut-in, especially these days.
0: That's certainly true. Yeah, the last eighteen months don't count.
1: <laughs> Fair. Still, I felt a little bit attacked. Anyway, Deborah reveals she's a social worker that works with convicted killers.
0: Is that gonna come into play later?
1: No. It's just <laughs> a joke. <laughs>
0: What a weird thing to say and not have come into play. No, Deborah will
1: exit the scene very quickly here, and she'll never be heard of again, so.
0: (laughs) What an odd
1: choice. So then Flynn shares his student, and Deborah's like, you're still a student? And he gets all defensive, like, look, I like to learn. Is that a crime? And it just goes on and on about, like, it's okay to be a student, it's okay to learn.
0: That's her reaction to somebody being a student at a slightly older age.
1: Yeah, at first I'm like, Deborah. Wait a minute. There's nothing wrong with being a student in your 30s. A lot of people who go back to school or start school later or just...
0: Or doing like higher education. Yeah. That's a very odd... Especially as a social worker. What an odd response. Yeah, she's very
1: condescending.
0: I don't like that. Bad Deborah.
1: So here's what she says. She then goes, oh, I understand you're a student still and you're in your 30s and you live with your mother and you're okay with that. And then Flynn's like, oh, when you put it that way, I got to change my life. (laughs) Okay. And I'm like, wait a, minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, Deborah, you're wrong. A, 30s in school, not a big deal. Also, living with your mom, uh, not a huge big deal these days, especially, maybe back in 2004 or whatever, but not a huge deal.
0: Right.
1: And I'm still annoyed that he has 22 degrees and he's like bragging about that. Too. He's like, I oh, have 22 degrees. I'm like, how would you do that? <laughs> it's crazy. Sorry. I'm still I'm still not on board with that.
0: <laughs> and I have willingly accepted it.
1: You did. What's the difference between you and me, Danielle?
0: <laughs> Actually, I it's, a, a detail it's a very pull difference. That off. <laughs>
1: So Deborah says at that point, well, it's time for me to go before dinner. Just like, all right, we had a nice conversation for a few seconds. I did my part to advance the plot. Time to go. <laughs> And leaves, and then Flynn's mom says to Flynn, look, Flynn, the things that are worth living can't be thought of here, and she taps his head, but must be felt here, and taps his heart. Aww. And I'm like, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> like, there are lots of things that you think about that make life worth living.
0: That's certainly true, and but you do have to put a little bit of your heart into it.
1: I, mean, I agree to disagree, Daniel. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's very, really, um, I don't know, honestly, cliche, but it's a platitude. It's
0: a simplistic idea.
1: Yeah. Cut to the next day, Flynn is on the floor of his room, going through classified ads, trying to find a job, and it's not going well.
0: How could it not go well? He has 22 degrees.
1: <laughs> He's qualified for literally everything, but apparently he just, is <laughs> like crossing out job listing after job listing. He finally sits up and like leans back against his bookshelf and hits it with frustration, and a bunch of books like rain out on him. Is that how that works? <laughs> uh they're all precariously placed in there haphazardly i suppose i guess okay there's also a letter that falls out and there's some ominous music that plays as he opens the letter inside is a piece of paper and it's blank at first but there's this golden glow around the edge of it and then words appear on the paper that are like being burned in by golden light
0: is it triggered by the air
1: <laughs> no it's like magic daniel's magic <laughs> okay it's just it's like a it's like a hogwarts letter or something
0: (laughs) right magic letter got it
1: and a woman's voice says you have been selected to interview for a prestigious position with the metropolitan public library the end (laughs) (laughs) and i have questions about this letter danielle so many questions
0: really shocking
1: I mean, I, I can buy the magic. That's fine. My question is, did you ever hide in his bookshelf? Did they do it recently, hoping he would stumble across it randomly? <laughs> or did they, like, shove it in there years ago and figure, yeah, he'll find it eventually?
0: Maybe it's one of those magic pieces where it's like, it'll happen when it's supposed to happen.
1: I feel like they should have left it on his, like, table or something. Would have been better. But, you know, what am I? I'm not a magic library person, so <laughs> who knows?
0: That's why you're not in charge of the magic library, Sam.
1: Well, I have many reasons for that, Danielle. We'll get to that. <laughs> Flynn is, of course, intrigued and he heads straight to the library. So Flynn goes into the library and into this large spiral staircase that's lined with people who all have identical papers. It looks to be maybe a couple hundred people there. And they're all lined up on the spiral staircase, which seems like an inefficient way to schedule your interviews. Just say, hey, everyone, come down as a mob. We'll just put you in a big line. Like, there's no times or anything, it seems. Yeah, that seems weird. For librarians, they're very deficient. <laughs> and that same woman's voice who read the letter keeps yelling out, next, as people keep coming in and then people keep leaving the interview like crying or... Or angry, I've never been so insulted, and et cetera, et cetera. And at once Flynn is at the top of the staircase, next is called, and he chickens out. He like turns around to leave, and the voice is like, hey, where do you think you're going? Get in here. So he goes into a large room with a single chair in the middle, and there's a woman behind the desk. And the woman is played by Jane Curtin, mm-hmm. who you may recognize as Mary from Third Rock, from The Sun.
0: Oh, okay.
1: okay. is sitting behind a desk, and she's facing the chair, and Flynn takes a seat, and the woman asks condescendingly, what makes you think you could be the librarian? And Flynn <laughs> answers, well, I've read a lot of books. Uh, She is not amused.
0: Well, to be fair, he has no idea what he's interviewing for. Well, exactly right. This is all
1: BS. She has not explained anything about what they're doing here, what the job is. So you're right. I don't blame Flynn at all for being confused. He then lists a bunch of qualifications. Like he knows to do a decimal system. He knows to set up an RSS feed, how to do a web search. So, you know, important 2004 skills.
0: (laughs) What a skill task, master.
1: She is unimpressed. She's like, everyone knows how to do that. They're librarians. And then she repeats, what makes you think you could be the librarian? And then she's like, tell me something no one else who has walked into this room would know. And so finally, Flynn sighs. He gets up and walks toward her. And he pulls that Sherlock Holmes thing where he's like, you have monocleosis. Your marriage broke up two months ago. You broke your nose when you were four. And you live with three cats. Like that whole like super analytical like, sure, looks up sure, and down sure. and can, like figure everything else out. <laughs> Magic. Yeah, exactly. The interviewer is taken aback, and then he spouts about like, oh, I noticed your glands were swollen, blah, 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 blah. I saw some cat hair on you, that kind of BS. And just because he has 22 degrees doesn't mean he is super observant, but apparently he is too.
0: Well, yeah, he's he's the main character, Sam.
1: My favorite explanation he gives is for how he knows she divorced two months ago, because he's like, the indentation on a ring finger takes approximately three months to go away, and yours is <laughs> two-thirds gone.
0: How would you know that? <laughs> yeah,
1: right. Like, from A, across the room. Uh, B, uh, what? What? three months <laughs> and how can you tell when an indentation is two-thirds gone like do you get like your your calipers and measure the depth of the indentation <laughs> also it doesn't mean she divorced two months ago maybe she took her ring off for other reasons maybe she's getting it fitted or expanded or, or repaired like you've come to a lot of conclusions my dude
0: or she might not even be divorced she just could be separated right exactly so
1: you know uh shenanigans on that especially on the ring thing because that's nonsense but the interviewer is very impressed her actual name is Charlene which we never learn in the entire movie Uh I looked it up so I'm gonna call her Shirlene because otherwise she's just the interview lady and that's cumbersome baby (laughs) (laughs) so she was very impressed and then a male voice echoes through the room what's more important than knowledge and Flynn like looks around and then he responds with his mom's cute little phrase about how the most important thing in the world for loving life is up here not in there or whatever I forgot the actual phrases but like the whole
0: (laughs) using your heart
1: yeah use your heart not your head kind of thing Uh,
0: I would have gone with pie
1: yeah right <laughs> pie's delicious or do you pumpkin. mean the number no
0: nope. pumpkin pie of, of. Yeah, i know it's not your favorite but you know delicious. that's
1: your, your <laughs> call danielle your pie job who cares <laughs> And so the voice, the male voice is like, you've got the job. Tell all the candidates to go home. I'm like, all right, well, good for him. And the woman's like, okay, you're going to have a six-month trial period to see if you work out. If you're so much as a minute late, I dock your pay. If you break anything, I dock your pay. I'm like, is this really the right time to be doing this?
0: Well, it doesn't seem like an usual interview process, so why not?
1: Right, sure. And then Fun's like, well, what is the job? What's going on here? And then some chime sound, and and Bob Newhart magically appears like with some golden sparkles from behind a, a wall or through a wall. or something, just like appears in the room.
0: We love a good Bob Newhart appearance. He
1: just yeah, is one in the room and that'll never happen again. So that's great.
0: That's unfortunate. They should have really stuck with that every time he appeared. He does
1: some weird appearance stuff that's pretty good in this movie. But unfortunately, like a lot of the things are just like, they set this up and they never come back to it.
0: Sad. We do like those
1: movies. Yeah, we do. They, I mean, they're very weird to have like all this effort put into making a point about something and then uh, utterly fail to capitalize on that point.
0: So he appears, what happens? And he
1: explains the job he has will be the last job he'll ever need. His life will never be the same after taking it. He's about to start a big adventure. And Flynn's just like, "Uh uh-huh, okay, sure. So Bobby, Judson, takes Flynn past some armed guards, and he explains this is the most secure place in the world. And he then goes up to a bookcase, and he quotes Midsummer's Night Dream, the, um, the ending soliloquy from Puck. And Flynn completes the quote, and then Bob gestures at the bookcase, and Flynn looks and says, oh, Midsummer Night's Dream, and pulls the book and the hidden door open. So, like the bookcase oh. swings open, like every bookcase hidden trapdoor thing does. ever.
0: So out of curiosity, since this is the most secure place in the world, does it definitely get broken into during this movie? Oh, almost immediately. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> uh, the same thought, Danielle. <laughs> You can't say that and then assume nothing's gonna happen.
1: But also, my favorite thing is their super secure method is to use the old bookcase trick and just hope nobody wants to copy of *Midsummer Night's Dream*.
0: Exactly. Just pull all the books until it opens. Or if anyone's
1: like, "Oh, I want to read some Shakespeare, one of his most popular plays," oh, uh oh, what's <laughs> yeah, this? Yeah, it's
0: not even like Symbolite or something. It's like Right.
1: Yeah, it's not something obscure that like no one would ever <laughs> want to read. It's the like most famous, one of the most famous and popular of his plays. <laughs> <laughs> And the whole like song and dance they did about like, oh, let me start this quote and you can finish the quote and I gesture the bookshelf and you got to pull the right book. You can just tell him, yeah, hey, pull that book over there or something. Like this whole back and about is unnecessary. Testing him, Sam. He's already got the job.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's a six month trial. It's an ongoing test.
1: Anyway, they go through some super secure doors that have like the missile keys where each guard has to turn the key at the same time. And Bob's like, where do you think The military got the idea for that. And like, all right. Uh 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 Like Bob Newhart is the comic relief and he's pretty funny. So it helps. Some of the jokes are better than others. So they get in the elevator and they go down and they just sit in the elevator in a silence for like thirty or forty seconds of screen time, which is actually a pretty <laughs> good gag. I like that one. They're just sitting there awkwardly looking at each other. And at the bottom, the elevators make the Star Trek noises when they open for whatever little reason because su- sushi thing. Yeah, the little chink kind of noise when they open. I don't know why, but they're just elevator doors.
0: Cool.
1: <laughs> and so then Bob finally opens a door to a massive room, like huge giant cavernous space. And a little like chunk, chunk, chunk of lights coming on and revealing the space as it goes, happened. And it's this massive room. It has all these reading tables and shelves, and shelves of books, and all these display cases with artifacts in them. So, Robert, Bobby Newhart, reveals that, you know, this whole big room. And this movie is cribbing so hard from Raiders of the Lost Ark, that, like, last (laughs) scene. Like, it's absolutely... that They even have the exact same arc prop or a copy of it from Raiders sitting there as the first thing they go up to.
0: Yeah, I absolutely remember the trailers for this movie and my vague recollection of it definitely was a Raiders of the Lost Ark slash Indiana Jones librarian vibe.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is. (laughs) And Flynn's like, oh, that's a really good replica of the Ark. And Bob's like, it's not a replica. Don't touch it. It'll electrocute you. Or as they used to say, smite (laughs) <laughs> Flynn is bemused. He thinks this might be like a prank, but Bob explains how Flynn is now the guardian of all of these treasures, including the real Mona Lisa, which is there for some reason. Like, I get like mystical items like the Ark and everything else in the library you're about to see, but why is the Mona Lisa, which is just a painting, here? <laughs>
0: I think it's probably just because it's a really famous thing that everybody would identify.
1: I get that, but it seems like, why are you wasting your time guarding just a regular painting when you have, like, the Ark of the Covenant sitting over yeah, I don't, there?
0: I don't know, Sam. I mean, that's it's an important painting.
1: Maybe it's magic. I don't know, but they have it.
0: <laughs> I'd like the idea that the Mona is actually magic.
1: <laughs> well, as they're walking, Flynn is immediately distracted by Pandora's box, and he opens it and he sees a bunch of writhing horrors inside of it.
0: He opens Pandora's box.
1: Oh, absolutely. <laughs>
0: This guy cannot be in charge of this library. I, I know, right? He's not...
1: <laughs> like He's like, oh, make us go bring up the random... Like, to be fair, at this point, he doesn't think this is real. He's not taking it seriously.
0: I, I uh, don't care. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's absolutely not okay. But luckily, Bobby comes back and closes the box before anything bad escapes, apparently.
0: Because it takes a few seconds. It's like... Oh wait, everybody, in the box is open. Guys, guys, it's finally happening. Get get into, well, I thought we practiced this, guys. We gotta be ready. This is
1: why we do drills. Come on, oh, door is closed. Oh, this is all right. We're redoubling our rehearsals. No more slacking.
0: I can only imagine that must be what's going on inside the box so they don't escape immediately.
1: That's <laughs> crazy. It they should have it should have been over at that point. The whole premise was it opens immediately and it's, it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> complacency is all my, my explanation <laughs> so now after Flynn sees Pandora's box he is on board he's like okay this is impossible how can this all be real and Bobby's like give me your cell phone and so Flynn hands him his yeah, his, 2000, his 2004 flip phone
0: Hell, yeah, say it can't be anything better than a flip phone at this point abs-
1: just a flip phone a, a standard cheap ass flip phone
0: I had a lovely 2004 flip phone as well <laughs> I loved that flip phone I liked snapping it shut when I was annoyed at somebody.
1: <laughs> you are very passive-aggressive like that.
0: <laughs> I am not passive-aggressive, everybody. Mm. <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyway, Bobby, he takes his cell phone is like, see this phone? You speak into it and magically you can talk to somebody on the other side of the world. No wires. You don't have to look at them.
0: Magic. 20 years ago,
1: this would have been impossible.
0: Do they have car phones then or no? Was that a later development? 1984? I don't know. (laughs) Sorry. Continue. Point is...
1: He's trying to make the, the, basically the Arthur C. Clarke argument that any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. Right. But this isn't technology. It's literally magic items. So I'm not (laughs) sure it quite fits. Like, oh, your cell phone, which is, you know, engineered is the exact same thing as a magic arc that will kill you if you touch it or a box that contains all of the evil of the world. Like those don't seem like they are very much similar. That's not an explanation I buy. I'm sorry, Bob. (laughs) Bob's wrong. He's uh, like, no, this isn't technology. This is, this is something different. He's like, we just don't understand the laws of the universe enough to know how these things work. I'm like, okay, that could be true. But they also are not, you know, at all similar to technology. I'm, I'm sorry that <laughs> they don't buy that. Absolutely. So Flynn's like, why'd you choose me for this job? Good question. And then Bob's like, hey, we scour the world. A hundred countries we go to all their educational institutions, we read all the papers, we read all the dissertations, we keep an eye on blogs even. That's how we find our interviewees. And we send out the interview request to them. And then things just sort of work themselves out from there. And then the right person just usually finds their way here.
0: So they read all 22 of his theses? Thes-i. If you <laughs> assume
1: they're all advanced degrees, then yes. <laughs> and apparently people just sort of, it just works itself out, Danielle. They send out a bunch of invitations and then eh, they the universe figures it out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Yes.
1: But also, yeah, real, real active job you're taking in your in protecting these secrets there, Bob.
0: It's because I looked at the line of 100 people standing on the staircase and we're like, oh, wait, that's Noah Wiley. That's the guy we want.
1: Also, I'm going to put a little spoiler here because it's only going to be a spoiler in about know, 10 minutes of movie time. But they are very bad at picking librarians. Like the previous librarian they picked, they did not do a good job on that one. So I don't think this process is foolproof. It doesn't just work <laughs> itself out. Oh,
0: dear. Yeah. <laughs> How would you feel if you got that job and then you found out the last person, like, stole everything or something and you're like, uh... Yeah, uh, (laughs) foreshadowing, (laughs) Daniel. I don't think I could have written this made-for-TV movie.
1: (laughs) I think most people could write this made-for-TV movie, Daniel. It's pretty by the numbers.
0: (laughs) That's what makes it nice. <laughs> so so the whole, like, it just works itself out. No,
1: it doesn't. You should probably take a little <laughs> more active interest in betting your candidates, Bob.
0: That takeover. over They're supposed to control over this entire, like, everything in the entire world. Yeah, exactly.
1: And so then Flynn is all like, very, excited, like, I have a job. I can't wait to tell my mom about this because, cool, which is when Excalibur which was just around the corner pulls itself out of the stone and then flies over to Flynn and like holds itself against his neck in a threatening way and i didn't know one of excalibur's powers was magic flight and sentience
0: well you just didn't read the books well enough sam
1: that's true i haven't been able to find a good copy of the once and future king <laughs> You know, Bob explains how he's now in the library society. He must keep it secret.
0: Yeah. Why did he think like, oh, I'm in charge of the Ark of the Covenant? I guess like, I'll tell him to my mom. This is so exciting.
1: Also, I'm not entirely sure why this has to be kept secret. I mean, I get the whole idea about we have to keep it secret to protect the world because people would want to abuse these things. But also, like, that's pretty arrogant to be like, we're the ones who get to decide what people know about and don't know about.
0: Yeah, well, that's true of every secret organization, Sam.
1: Yeah, they're all jerks, my point. Yeah.
0: <laughs> 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 You'd have to accept it. I have a feeling to move on from this.
1: Well, I accept it, but I'm still like going on record that they're jerks.
0: <laughs> you tell them. You should write to them. Dear librarian.
1: Well, they're still working on more movies, apparently, so maybe we'll get some new ones.
0: There's more of them? <laughs> uh,
1: there are some rumors that they're trying to make an actual theatrical release one, but it's stalled. This is very exciting.
0: We should marathon
1: these. Well, I assume they it's stalled, and then we have to marathon all four seasons of the TV series.
0: I might do that. <laughs>
1: Anyway, then Bob's like, Excalibur, stand down. Give him some time. He'll, he'll get it. And then Excalibur sort of like reluctantly goes back to its stone. And I still don't understand why Excalibur
0: has that ability. Or personality, apparently.
1: Yeah. So a little while later, Flynn is sort of pranted about the library. He's clearly very excited to be there and see all the artifacts. And he finds a jetpack, which I don't know if that's mystical or not, but I don't know why that's here either. Like, there seems to be a real (laughs) weird criteria for what needs to kind of like magical items that can destroy the universe or destroy the earth or hurt people or cause mass destruction. Sure. I get that about the Ark of the Covenant or Pandora's box. The Mona Lisa and a jetpack? I don't get why those have to be kept away from people. (laughs) Like, it's a (laughs) jetpack. I mean, maybe you're worried about, like, The Rocketeer, when they're going to have flying Nazi soldiers or something. I was going to say
0: The Rocketeer. I love The Rocketeer. It's a fun
1: movie. Absolutely.
0: (laughs) It's a great movie. Yeah, absolutely.
1: It's great. But I don't think, like, oh, 2004 – we're still worried about fine. Oh, I guess if we saw are worried about Nazis now in 2020, but that's not the point. The point <laughs> is, I don't think the the jet pack is going to make a difference in that regard. Like keeping that a secret isn't helping anybody. I think
0: maybe it's just one of those like extra things that was in a closet somewhere. This feels more like. You know, do you remember the TV show Eureka? Yes. Feels kind of
1: like that, where it's supposed to be like, oh, everything here is, but that was more science. This was more mystical. But they still got a lot of that like mystical stuff. What was the other one? Warehouse 13, which was a yeah. similar concept. I just
0: brought that up to somebody the other day. Eureka, I have not actually really thought about probably since the last episode I watched years ago. Yeah,
1: it got <laughs> a little once. weird.
0: <laughs> but Warehouse 13 I think about because Joshua Jackson was in it.
1: Okay, well, it's about the actors for you if they're hunks.
0: <laughs> I am who I am, Sam. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Anyway, my point is, it it feels very much like they're trying to be all of those things. And it's kind of like a grab bag. We'll take that and put it in the library. We'll take that and put it in the library. Ooh, I like that. Let's put that in the library, too.
0: I bet they didn't expect anybody to think this hard about the stuff that was in the library.
1: Well, they haven't met me yet, Danielle. Anyway, he activates this jetpack and it goes crashing around the library. He's chasing after it and eventually it crashes and he finally gets a hold of it and he's you know, next to a unicorn and then he sees And a live unicorn? Yeah, absolutely. There's a live unicorn. Feeding the Alive Unicorn? Questions. Again, yeah, I told you. What they have in this library <laughs> warehouse is
0: insane. <laughs> I'm, I'm just worried unicorn. about the live thing in the unalive building.
1: <laughs> Why is there a unicorn? Why is a unicorn to be kept in a pen? That seems rather cruel. But, you know, here we are. They have to keep that next to the Holy Grail, which Flynn is distressed because apparently when he crashed, he smashed the Holy Grail to pieces.
0: Oh, well, he's doing a really good job for a bang up job for his first day. I know. It's like really impressive. He's freaking out
1: about crashing into the Holy Grail and destroying it because, yeah... (laughs) And Bob comes out and is like, you think just a little smashy smash can destroy a legend? And then some really bad CG happens and the grail reassembles itself, or like melts back into itself. And it's like, oh, it's fine. No, so, thank
0: goodness. I was really worried there for a minute.
1: So if all these objects are like magically able to reassemble themselves, I guess they need less protecting than I thought. Like, what is his job? All right, it doesn't matter.
0: Does a unicorn reassemble itself? <laughs>
1: it's a great question, Danielle. And why is that poor animal kept in a dark underground room with no access to the sunlight or fresh air or grass yeah, I, feel,
0: I feel really strongly that the unicorn should not be in there like i told
1: you Neil, i feel sorry about the unicorn mona lisa and the jetpack those no <laughs> At least those things. There's probably more there that's not okay.
0: And is it the only unicorn? It's like the last of its kind unicorn? It's the, the very a, last unicorn. It's a unicorn. Peter S. Beagle
1: book, last unicorn. That's exactly right, Danielle.
0: <laughs> oh, dear. What a sad life for the end of the unicorn species. Uh, I don't know if there are more
1: unicorns than there, Danielle. They only show the one, so.
0: I would hope that they would keep the unicorns together.
1: You know, maybe they like, they fight. Maybe they don't get along. Maybe they had an acrimonious divorce.
0: <laughs> Perhaps. We'll never know. Because we'll probably doesn't get into unicorns. Nope.
1: It's the last you'll ever see of it. <laughs>
0: Maybe it's in the sequels.
1: I really hope so. Anyway, you know, at the end of the day, Flynn goes home. His mom's like, you have a job. She's like hanging a poster up on the wall and everything, which is cute. (laughs) And he's like, yes, mom, I'm a librarian. She's like, you've had 16 years of college and you're a librarian? And so I'm like, okay, so he got 22 degrees in 16 years. Crazy. Uh I'm still on that. (laughs) (laughs) But she's apparently unimpressed that he's a librarian. I'm like, why? A- It's a job. B. It's like the perfect job for someone with like an encyclopedic knowledge to be in a librarian or a reference librarian. Right? That's true. So uh, she's being unreasonable.
0: And there are a lot of like high end librarian jobs too. Exactly.
1: So yeah, no. But she eventually puts on a happy face to try to be happy for. for That's why he.
0: That's why she liked Deborah. They're two (laughs) peas in a pod.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Maybe
0: she and Deborah should hang out. (laughs) Deborah should be your daughter.
1: Yeah. Oh. So we cut back to the library. Bob is at his desk when he hears a noise. She gets up to investigate, and he finds the guards dead on the floor. And then he's knocked out by a ninja. Ah. Yeah.
0: A book ninja? A librarian ninja? Who knows? Is it a girl?
1: There is a girl, but I don't know if this is her. Okay. <laughs> it might be. He has a mask on. I don't know. There are a couple of them. And the mask comes off almost immediately later. We never see a masked person again, so I don't know what the point is. The okay. Mask. <laughs> We then cut to a brooding man looking out a high-rise window. There's a snake tattoo on his forearm.
0: Oh, he must be evil. Is he evil?
1: Yeah, of course he's evil. A woman (laughs) walks in holding a golden staff and says, everything went exactly as you said. There's also a bald man with her who asks what they stole. And the other guy says, the realization of a 5,000-year-old dream.
0: (laughs) Okay. I thought this was impenetrable. How did they get through?
1: Um, pretty easily, actually.
0: (laughs) Surprising.
1: We'll get to that. <laughs> so we cut to the next morning. Flynn is running to work and he runs into the interview lady, Charlene. On the end the library and are distressed to see the inner security doors are left open. They then find Bobby on the floor, alive and just coming around. And they see that the vault was broken into. When Bob fully recovers, he quickly goes to security tapes and brings up security footage, because good, they finally have those. And they see a coordinated crew who, quote-unquote, knew about the failsafe and could only take one item. What failsafe? Why could they only take one item? Eh, don't ask questions, Danielle.
0: So they just somehow managed to get in there, even though nobody's supposed to know about this place to begin with.
1: Well, spoiler, and it's not much of a spoiler, because they basically tell you that, and in the subtitles, they told you this, but the guy, the brooding man, is the previous librarian.
0: Okay. He had to have been. Otherwise, how would he ever know that it was there?
1: Exactly. So good job on the vetting process. It's not a spoiler, because it, it's obvious it's him. from Because they show a portrait of him, like, oh, there's the previous librarian. And then you see him, <laughs> like, oh, that's him. <laughs> Anyway, they're looking at this crew, and none of them are wearing masks anymore, so I don't know who the ninja was, but it's the girl, the bald guy, and a bunch of other hench people.
0: Is the girl going to be a love interest?
1: Man, I'll get to that. <laughs> okay. It's kind of my favorite part of the movie.
0: Excellent. I'm looking forward to it.
1: And so apparently the only item they took was the quote-unquote Spear of Destiny, and whoever controls Spear controls the fate of the world. They had become the greatest conqueror, so like Alexander the Great had it, and Genghis Khan, all that kind of stuff.
0: Seems uh, a bad thing. Why do these things exist?
1: Well, this is hilarious. I love this. So it wasn't the entire spear that was stolen. It was just a fragment of it, as Bob explains, because you can never destroy the spear because I guess it's like the the Holy Grail or something. I don't know. So it was broke up to three pieces and hidden in three secret places around the world, one of them being the library, because that's how everything goes for every one of these things.
0: Well, how else do you get rid of something that you can't get rid of? (laughs) I
1: mean... I don't know, but apparently even one piece is dangerous because Adolf Hitler only had one piece of the spear, and look what he did. I'm like, no right.
0: wondering how Hitler is going to play into that.
1: And so again, it's kind of like I don't know if we mentioned this during the Ready Player Two stuff. How they like, they have to mention two old things and one new one to make it relevant to the people. In oh the yes, age, of course yeah. Hitler played into it <laughs> because it's that kind of movie. So he's like, imagine if someone got all of them. That's when Charlene gasps at something she sees on the security tape, and we see that on the form of one of the people is a snake tattoo. And Bob's like, oh, it's the Serpent Brotherhood, a splinter librarian group that wanted to use the artifacts to <laughs> rule. So there was an internal war, and they're the ones who started the fire at the Alexandria Library and destroyed it. And I'm just like, what? A splinter librarian group? I'm. I, this is crazy. I love it.
0: <laughs> so there's the good librarians and theoretically the bad librarians. And at one point, they were all... Libraries. librarians together. Yes. And then w- one group decided they should use – like, they're in charge of ruling. That's why they're in charge of all these – put in yeah. charge of all these items. And the other group was like, no, we're just supposed to protect these items so people can't abuse them. Yes. And they split up into two different factions. Yes. But somehow the bad like, – quote, unquote, bad librarians were pushed out.
1: Yes. They lost whatever internal conflict there was. Crazy. They say an internal war. And again – How did they hire for the librarian role? The previous, if he was a member of the Serpent Brotherhood, like
0: was he to begin with, or is this backstory that he originally was like a quote unquote good librarian, but then learned about the Serpent teen whatever librarians, and then ended up becoming like going to the dark side? I was about to
1: suggest that Danielle because we do not learn the answer to that question. We do not know how he became evil.
0: (laughs) I bet he was good to begin with and became evil.
1: Mm, then he had a character flaw. They should still not have hired him.
0: No, I don't. Just I wasn't arguing with that point. I was just saying that originally maybe he had a pure heart.
1: Maybe they just check people for tattoos before hiring them. Just, just check for the snake tattoo. Just, just a thought. Anyway. <laughs>
0: Maybe he didn't. I'm saying, what if he didn't have it? What if they hired him and then he turned to that Well, side he's like and the, got the leader tattoo? of the
1: group at this point, so I don't well, know.
0: It's been probably been a few years, Sam.
1: It's been two years.
0: Okay, well, he's had time to raise out of the ranks. Maybe he's really like knife happy and murdered all the other ones.
1: Maybe it's been less than two years. I don't know how long it's been because they just hired the new librarian, so it couldn't have been that long since the old one was gone.
0: Well, apparently the librarians are super quick witted and smart and uh, crazy and gung ho, so maybe he just made it up the, the chain of command very quickly. Sam.
1: okay i uh, will uh double check on that but All
0: right, in no. my headcanon <laughs> this is what happened <laughs>
1: great glad glad that's for you moving on <laughs> so flint's like oh i should call the police and then he's mocked because obviously so yes. good for him like clearly he is a genius <laughs> So Bob tells him that only Flynn can retrieve the spear piece. And Flynn's like, what? I'm not like an adventuring charge. I've never even left the city. I've never been on a plane or anything. But he is then eventually convinced. And he's given a book with clues on where the other spear parts are. And it's in a secret language. You'll have to learn that whole new secret language on the plane flight to the Amazon. Because that's where the second spear piece is. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Why are they going to retrieve the second spear piece? I thought the whole point was to keep the spear pieces separate. Why do you not...
0: Protect
1: it? To protect... Well, but, like, if the only way to find the second spear piece is with the secret book that they still have, it's not any immediate danger.
0: What if they think the other guy has has that knowledge because he's already a librarian there?
1: He doesn't, because no one else will be able to read that book. It's in a secret, like, it's called the bird language or whatever. The language of the birds. It's like an ancient language that was before the Tower of Babel or whatever. And no one else speaks it.
0: I don't know, Sam. I can't help you.
1: So I'm, I'm going to make a point of this because this whole quest is dumb. Because instead of going after the spear piece they know was stolen, they send Flynn to go retrieve the... The other spear pieces, which of course means that the other people are going to be able to get them from, from Flynn.
0: <laughs> like, oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so
1: if he had just got either done nothing – or gone after the original spear piece that was stolen, this would have been a much better operation. Like, you don't, <laughs> like, steal the thing back! Don't try to get other pieces that make them easier to retrieve if they're already in super secret hiding places nobody knows about. <laughs> it's dumb. It's a dumb quest, Danielle. It
0: is. I, don't, I do not disagree with that assessment.
1: So we cut to Flynn. He's boarding an airplane. And then as he sits down in his seat, Bob appears magically on the TV screen in the back of the seat in front of him and to tell him to trust no one and to guard the book with his life. And, like, you probably could have told him that before he I'm mean, even do this whole like magic TV appearance thing.
0: It looks cool, and also he's definitely going to trust someone and not guard that book with his life.
1: Well, good. We'll get to that. <laughs> So he's working on translating the book and learning the language of the bird people, or sorry, the language of the birds. When sexy jazz music plays and a sexy blonde woman walks in, she was apparently watching takeoff from the cockpit while the pilot or co-pilot is all like, you know, drooling over her.
0: I'm pretty sure that's not how that works, not even in 2004.
1: No, it isn't, but apparently she has magic sexy powers that let her do that. (laughs) And she just clearly wraps the around her little finger. Vlad attempts to talk to her, but she's like, are you trying to talk to me? I am way out of your league, buddy.
0: Aw. Don't talk to me. You're, <laughs> You're just a librarian.
1: <laughs> like, nerd, like uh, all that kind of stuff. So he's like, all right, fine. And as the plane starts its descent, a flight attendant then walks up to a man. And he's like, hey, are you the air marshal? And he's like, yeah. And she's like, good. And then she stabs him in the neck with a syringe and presumably kills him. I don't That's know what's in dense. the syringe. And it's the uh and the ninja lady, the evil ninja lady from the robbery.
0: <laughs> See? Told you she'd come back into play.
1: Why would I not think she didn't? <laughs> <laughs> guess what? The bald man's also on the plane and both approach Flynn. And then a bunch of people also stand up. Apparently, everyone on this plane is a snake cult person. They're all part of the Snakey Boys. they We have a lot
0: of questions about this. Yeah. How did they know he was a librarian?
1: Good question. How do they know he was on the plane, right?
0: How do they know he's on the plane? How do they know where he's going? Yep. How do they know anything about anything? Because prior to this, nobody had knowledge except for Bob.
1: Yeah. So again, if they had just stayed home in the library, none of this would have happened. Like, they could have just, you know, even done... Nothing, and this whole movie would not have happened. <laughs>
0: like, Do they have somebody on the inside? No. Then I don't know how they know about Noel Wiley.
1: <laughs> it's a real good question. His name is Flynn, please.
0: Oh, yeah. I forgot. I <laughs> know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to remember that.
1: But apparently, they managed to get an entire group onto this plane to attack Flynn.
0: And another question. Yeah. Was this plane not booked prior? Like, Great question, a Danielle. person like this. on the plane was just traveling for business or pleasure <laughs> There are other – I think there are
1: other sections of the plane that are regular people. They managed actually get all the seats around Flynn in his, like, compartment to be –
0: They hack into the airline system and, like, reschedule people I don't know. Do they have a like, right on their team,
1: too. Remember, Edward, the evil librarian, is on their team. I don't know, Sam. It's dumb. It's very dumb, Danielle. <laughs> like, I got you. Like I said – if the librarian Flynn had just stayed behind, they would have won. Like the, the whole plan of the evil librarian is counting on the good librarian doing all the work of finding the pieces that should not be found, that they purposely separated and hid because they're too dangerous to bring together.
0: And now they're bringing them together.
1: It's Yeah, they're absolutely going to bring them together because they're dumb.
0: And so he's kidnapped and is going to be used to like go find the second piece?
1: Well... So they apprehend Flynn, and the woman with the syringe is going up to him, about to stab him with the syringe, and that's when the sexy blonde woman comes in and just starts kicking all the ass. Yay! And so she saves Flynn, and they run over to the emergency exit, and she pops the door open, which you can't do on a plane. It just doesn't physically work (laughs) because of pressure. But she does.
0: She's super strong. She's magic, Sam.
1: So she pushes the door open and she grabs a parachute and she shoves Flynn out first and then puts the parachute on and dives after him. And there's some pretty bad CG of parachutes, which is great. <laughs> and the bad guys, they run up to the door and they look down and the, the the evil girl is like, wow, he pretended to be incompetent to lure us into a false security. What an amazing librarian. Because he dove without a parachute. How brave.
0: <laughs> no, he's just extra stupid.
1: Yeah, yeah, but she doesn't get that, which is the joke. <laughs> and so once the sexy blonde lady and Flynn uh, land... Flynn's like, who are you? What are you doing here? And she's like, you just have to trust me. He's like, I can't trust you. Uh, Judson told me specifically not to trust anyone. She's like, I'm from the library. Judson sent me. You have to trust me. And he's like, Judson told me to trust no one. And she's like, well, that's convenient because my name is Nicole Nuna. No one.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Yeah. 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 Clever. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and that's enough to convince Flynn to trust her. Like, she could be making up that name.
0: <laughs> yeah. That'd be hilarious, actually. That'd be a great way to try and get out of that.
1: It's basically the same trick Odysseus pulled on the Cyclops. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, but apparently she's the muscle. She guards Librarian. That's her job. She is the uh, Librarian Guardian. So she's the Guardian's Guardian? I don't know. <laughs>
0: is she going to be the love interest?
1: Yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs>
0: Just, just saying, it's got to get here eventually.
1: Of course. So Flynn climbs a tree. He's like, looking around. He's like, oh, I know where we are. That mountain is this. And with that there, we have to go 27 miles that way to get to where the book tells us the second piece of the spear is.
0: So did everybody in the plane die because the door was thrown open? And
1: the- I'm sure they're fine. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's not how that works either.
1: They probably made an emergency landing somewhere in the Amazon. I don't know. And Nicole's like, How do you know where we are? She's like, Well, I've memorized the earth. And she's like, Okay, <laughs> the cool.
0: Earth. The entirety of the earth. <laughs>
1: He's like, memorized the earth. Good, cool. Good job, Flynn.
0: I'd like to point out that, like, even if you memorized, like, topographic maps or whatever, like, Google Earth wasn't really a thing early nope. in 2004. Even if you had done that, it would still look different when you're on the ground. Yeah,
1: yeah. And, like, you're in the middle of the jungle. You've never even left the city. She's like, Oh, I recognize that mountain. I'm like, All right. She's like, well, I see. He's like, I see a blue condor. And those only, Live within a twenty-seven mile radius from the purest whatever of the of the Amazon, and that must mean that's mountain blank blank blank, and that means we're here. Uh, this sure. latitude people to it too. Yeah, no, it's BS. <laughs> Absolutely BS. <laughs> So meanwhile, the snake crew has found the parachute, the discarded parachute, as Nicole and Flynn have hiked off through the jungle. I still really
0: want to know how they managed to land that plane and then do a search and rescue. Yeah, they, they got,
1: they found that parachute immediately. I like how did they know where they landed after being in a plane like, <laughs> 5,000 feet up. I don't know, but I want to take a moment here to admire the costume choices that these people are making because they're in the Amazon. No one is dressed appropriately. Like <laughs> Flynn is wearing slacks and like a shirt, like a, like a button-down shirt, <laughs> which is not appropriate. The other person just appropriately probably Nicole, but the evil lady, the evil girl, she is wearing like a black t-shirt, a studded leather <laughs> belt, and like just black pants with zip pockets, and there's, like a crop top shirt also, and fingerless gloves. And it's those... amazing. It's like who goes to the Amazon on, a, on a, like a jungle trek in, in their punk rock outfit? It's great. It's so good.
0: <laughs> All those things seem. Wildly uncomfortable for Amazon trekking. (laughs) To be fair, do they know they were going to end up in the Amazon (laughs) forest? Yeah, they're on a plane
1: going to Brazil.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but they're like landing in an airport. Maybe they thought they're going to have some time to change prior to being in the forest.
1: I I mean, they could have changed before doing the excursion because they didn't jump out of the plane either. They stayed (laughs) on the plane. They landed, uh, presumably.
0: Yeah, I can't explain their side, but it makes sense that Noah is in normal clothes. Yeah, no, it, okay,
1: we'll let that one slide, but his name <laughs> is Flynn Danielle.
0: <laughs> Flynn Noah?
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. I
0: might remember that one.
1: <laughs> Great. Anyway, we cut back to Flit and Nicole. They're hiking through the jungle. They have some patter. They're, they're you know, sparring back and forth, doing that whole little, like, you don't like me because I'm a nerd. And she's, like, all being, like, tough and defensive. And he's trying to, like, engage in her. And he's collecting some plant samples, which never comes back up again. He just does it. <laughs> It's not bad patterns, it's just kind of dull. But then Flynn asks her about the previous librarian. and she's like, We're not talking about that. We're here to do this thing, let's just focus on that.
0: Was she in a relationship with him? Oh,
1: Danielle, please, we'll get to that. <laughs> I'm
0: just saying. <laughs> it seems likely.
1: This, I told you, Danielle, this movie is a paint by numbers movie. <laughs> Finally, they break through the jungle, and there's a rickety wooden bridge across a chasm next to a waterfall because, of course, there is. And it's also very bad green screen, so that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> Flynn is super freaked out. He's like, this bridge won't support us. And Nicole distracts him by mocking him. Like, oh, what about your girlfriend? All that kind of stuff. And then she asks him, like, what are the clues to the spear? To keep him distracted while they cross the bridge. And Flynn says, I have them mostly figured out, but there's one that I don't get. And it goes, to get inside, you must know the time it takes a bird to become a bird again. Okay. And she's like, oh,
0: okay. Well, I'm sure you'll figure it out. I'm not sure you're supposed to share all those secrets with people. I thought that too.
1: I'm like, that's not (laughs) trusting no one. (laughs) So halfway across, the bridge starts to collapse because, of course, it does, and they run to their side and just manage to make it. Yay! They continue to verbally spar, and then it's all very cutesy as Flynn like startles a bunch of butterflies and is like, "Ooh, how pretty!" And Nicole is like impressed by this for some reason when she was not impressed by anything he's done before.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And so that night, Flynn goes to take a dump, and as he's walking to do that, like they make a whole deal about, do you have any toilet paper? So, yay, humor. Flynn sees a campfire on the distance. It's the Slither friends. They're tracking them. Poorly, apparently. Yeah. So Nicole, she douses the fire, the campfire's like, we'll have to remain hidden, because I don't think they've seen us yet. I'm like, we could just leave. But I guess <laughs> we'll just hang out here without a campfire for the rest of the night. <laughs> and then the sudden jungle chill, because jungles apparently get very cold at night because they're like deserts. Sure. Flynn pulls the old, we need to huddle together for warmth technique. And Nicole's like, fine, but only body heat. And like, all right, cool.
0: As opposed to what? Non body heat?
1: I was like, he's obviously been like, he's been sexually harassing her the whole time.
0: Yes, I assumed.
1: And so then Flynn tries to learn again what happened to the previous librarian. Nicole's like, he died, leave it at that. And then Flynn pulls a Sherlock trick about, like, you know, oh, you're this and that. And finally ends with, you wish more than anything that you could forget half what you've seen, but you can't. I'm like, how do you discern her intentions just by looking at her?
0: Like, <laughs> also, I noticed her like, pinky
1: wobbled. So.
0: He seems pretty socially adept in some ways. Yeah. So- how does he be? How is he able to read people as well as he seems to suddenly be able to do?
1: Yeah, no, it's absolute BS, Daniel. <laughs> but Nicole, I guess, is impressed enough by this that she breaks down and explains that Edward Wilde, the previous librarian, was charming, brilliant, and generous, and that she fell in love with him, which is a big no-no you. because obvious—you <laughs> can't be a bodyguard to someone you're in love with. That's going to be a conflict of interest.
0: Yeah, I mean, the bodyguard taught us that. <laughs>
1: And because of that relationship, he's dead.
0: He's not dead, though. It's okay.
1: Well, she doesn't know that, for one. But also, how he died is hilarious. (laughs) Okay. They were in the Antarctic, sleeping in an igloo he built. And when she woke up, he was gone. And she ran outside just in time to see the super snake team cutting off his head.
0: Which clearly didn't happen.
1: And they all just sort of left, I guess, after that. Like, she did nothing about it. He's dead. And they're like, okay, see you later. Time to bounce. Well,
0: what are you going to do about it?
1: I don't know. Kick their butts. Take them in for questioning. Figure out what their motives are.
0: <laughs> All of them? It's just her. Or why didn't the snake people then get her, too? I don't know the answer to that. Maybe, probably because he wasn't really dead. <laughs> he was joining them, so She why doesn't know go? that.
1: My point is, she should be very suspicious about this, because it doesn't make any sense.
0: <laughs> That's true. Well, she's a bodyguard. Nobody said she was a smart one. <laughs>
1: That's, that she, she also says that to her about herself. That's true. <laughs> Suddenly, a bunch of natives come out from the forest and surround them, taking them prisoner.
0: Of course. That's just the law. <laughs>
1: so they take Flynn to an elder, and apparently they are speaking Portuguese. So he just talks with them, like, okay, yeah. He he says something in Portuguese about a library. It's only word I recognized. And suddenly they're just like, okay, cool. Have a hut. Join us. And, you know, they're like, oh, super friendly. It's almost like the Ewok village. <laughs> with do they
0: speak Portuguese amongst themselves, or do they speak Portuguese just to him?
1: Both, I guess. I don't know. I, I don't speak Portuguese to any. I don't know what they're speaking. I'm
0: <laughs> just curious. <laughs> I don't know how many native tribes speak Portuguese versus whatever their own language is. I don't know, but I think they're just speaking Portuguese, at
1: least (laughs) that's the implication. Okay. Again, the, the crowd tribe just like accepts them in, and they like, they have a little feast, and they show them the mating dance, which is like this is very special. This is very private. Not many people get to see this kind of thing. And I'm like, why? Why are you letting these random people into your tribe? You just met, like you just took from prison. Like, oh, they speak Portuguese, and he mentioned a library. You're friends now.
0: You have a good vibes, Sam.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> so later, they're given a little cabin, and Flynn tries to do a mating dance to seduce Nicole, kind of as a joke. They're kind of just joking around and having fun. And she's kind of into it. But she's like, no, go sleep over there against the wall, and he does. But seriously, he's trying very hard, and she's keep telling him no. Take no for an answer, Flynn.
0: She did learn from the first time that she's supposed to not fall in love she with She does charges. not. No. <laughs> Oh,
1: Nicole. The next morning, Flynn is hanging out with some kids as Nicole like bursts out looking for him. Oh, she's with some kids. And then the snake people just walk into the village, just walk around a corner. Hey, we're here.
0: That's crazy.
1: So, you know, good job, guarding Like, oh, yeah, they're there. And the village is like, oh, hi, guys. And they were just like sort of cool with them just being there.
0: They seem familiar with them or they just are like, whatever, more random Whatever. Strangers. It's
1: all very like, they don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently also this the, the snake crew, they hired like a native guy to like get them through like the best tracker in the Amazon. And he. never brought up again. (laughs) Really? Usually they play some kind of pivotal role. Nope. He found them at the village and that's the extent of his abilities. (laughs) (laughs) How odd. So Flynn and Nicole Skedaddle, they're being chased by the snake brigade and they get trapped on the edge of a cliff. But then Nicole grabs Flynn and they jump off the cliff into the river below and they're fine.
0: How far is the jump? I
1: don't know, like 40 feet, 50 feet? Crazy. So it's about Olympic – it's a little higher than Olympic-sized diving.
0: Good thing the, the lake river stream river. was high, high enough. I
1: don't know. They do it, I guess, because they're being chased. And the bad guys, they all stop at the edge of the cliff. And the evil girl's like, wow, the library is incredible. <laughs> Instead of, you know, going after them or jumping after them so they know it can Why be done. Why would you
0: jump after them?
1: <laughs> Why would you? Because, obviously, they did it just fine. They're, there they are floating in the river, so you can do it too.
0: <laughs> it seems like pure luck. <laughs>
1: <laughs> or maybe just find another way down, just to stand there and watch. Oh, sure,
0: I would find another way down.
1: Anyway, Flynn and Nicole, they swim down river until the sun ends, quote unquote, which is one of the clues in the book. And I don't know how you're supposed to figure out what the sun ending means, but here so we are. So they
0: conveniently jumped off of a cliff and then end up where the clue is?
1: Yeah, they end up in the river. That's part of the clue. I mean, they were almost there anyway, because they were hiking in that direction, but...
0: That was convenient.
1: Yeah, very convenient. And also, I can't imagine that the book isn't ruined by just being in his, like, messenger bag in the river while they're swimming down the river for hours.
0: It's a magic uh, book, Sam, and also (laughs) probably a magic bag. (laughs) (laughs) Okay,
1: sure. Anyway, they hike back through the jungle, and they find a hidden Mayan temple, and the door is guarded by a combination lock. The answer is that riddle Flynn had about the bird to become a bird again.
0: Is this like a modern-day combination lock?
1: No, it's like, oh, it's an ancient stone combination okay. lock. that yeah. was very
0: confusing to me. Sorry.
1: <laughs> anyway, this brief impediment is actually not a problem, because Flynn immediately comes up with the answer. He's like, oh, I get it. It's stars, because the Mayans called stars bird. So the answer is how long it takes the stars to orbit the entire galaxy, to make a one you new know, galactic orbit. And i like, it. what? <laughs> That's so the- a lot of conclusions to jump to.
0: (laughs) So the clue that was supposed to be the hard one was uh, eventually not hard at all.
1: (laughs) No, it provided, it was absolutely there was no problem without solving it, and he meant to jump to the correct conclusion immediately, even though the conclusion is extremely esoteric.
0: Perfect. I knew he was the man for the job.
1: Right. So he puts in the combination, which is like 27,000 years, and the door doesn't open. But a trap door opens, and they fall into a pit room. So there's a room, there's a pit. They're on one side of the room, on a little ledge, and across the pit of spikes is the door to get out.
0: So it's a trap door, but it doesn't, like, kill them. It just puts them in a room with spikes.
1: Yes, because this is a testing room. Oh, of course. And it's, a, it's a, called a Mayan death chamber. And if they can solve the secret of the room, they can get out. It's an escape room.
0: It's, <laughs> it's a 2004 escape room. (laughs)
1: Yes, exactly what it is. So, of course, the wall starts moving towards them, trying to push them into the pit. And Flynn does some, like, BSML. The temple was, like, this big by that big, which means that the priests had their safe space over here or some nonsense. He's like, oh, the safe place is right there. And he points to the middle of the pit. And he's like, do you trust me, Nicole? He's like, whatever. And they jump into the middle of the pit. But they land on something hard Uh because it was just an illusion. Just like the last crusade. (laughs) But in this case, it was created by using mirrors, like mirrors made it look like the pit was bigger than it was, uh-huh. which one, what? I didn't know that the minds had the technology to make amazing, perfectly reflective flat mirrors that were large. Also, how those mirrors still clean after centuries in a dusty room? <laughs> like, those mirrors are magic. It's absolute nonsense.
0: You're overthinking it, Sam. Well, that's the premise of this podcast, Danielle. <laughs> you thought aliens weren't involved, but mm, maybe they were.
1: Maybe they made the mirrors. I'll give them that.
0: (laughs) That was their sole contribution to the Mayan Empire.
1: Have some mirrors. They're like, okay, cool. We'll put them in a death pit.
0: I really would love that. They, like, like met aliens, and I saw conversation with them. And that was like their going away gift to the Mayans it was like, here, this is cool technology we have on our planet, mirrors. It's
1: pretty great. Anyway, they get through the door, and they find themselves in the treasure room where the second piece of the spear can be seen down the long corridor. And as they walk towards it, Flynn steps on a pressure plate, and arrows start shooting out of the wall. Like
0: that seemed a given. Why would you not be looking out for those? Because
1: Flynn's a dum dumb when he needs to be a dum dum.
0: Even Dora the Explorer would have figured that out better.
1: i was gonna say, Daniel, this movie reminds me a lot of that Dora the Explorer movie and The Lost <laughs> is City a of... a
0: great movie.
1: <laughs> yeah, fun movie. I, I don't know which one is better, but it's fun.
0: <laughs> I'm going to say Dora's better, but I haven't seen The Librarian.
1: That's true. So arrows start just shooting out at a regular rhythm, and there's also like fire arrows shooting out further down, and there's like these two blades swinging back and forth, pitting the pendulum style, and it reminds me a lot of like Galaxy Quest with the chompers.
0: <laughs> we say this a lot. <laughs> because that it,
1: it's, a, it's, a, it's a cliche for a reason, Daniel. It's everywhere. <laughs>
0: I like that that one pressure point sets off like five different things.
1: Yeah, they're all just going and Flynn's like, there's a rhythm. It's one, two, three, one, two, three. They're just like swinging back and forth. Like, what is that? And Nicole's like, it's a waltz. We need to dance our way to the treasure.
0: Did they have waltzes? They didn't have waltzes back in Mayan times. (laughs) No,
1: they did not. But also, that's just, you're not just like, okay, there's a pattern. We can just go through on the right pattern. We have to actually dance and waltz (laughs) our way there. It's so good. I love that line about we need to dance our way to the treasure.
0: (laughs) It keeps you in tempo. Sam
1: Yeah, okay. So instead of just like dashing through at the right time, they waltz their way down the room and it works out just fine because of course it does. She even has to like dip him at the very end.
0: I was gonna say, is there like any dips or spins or something?
1: Yeah, she has to dip at the very end because a saw blade, like a, like a circular saw blade shoots out and would have chopped their heads off if she didn't dip him or something. <laughs> it's all nonsense.
0: <laughs> I like it. If I had a room that people had to like get through to get to something, I would make them dance through it too.
1: I'm sure you would. It would. So there's a bunch of falling on the ground as they approach the pedestal with the spear on it. And they admire the treasure for a minute. Flynn's like, wait, don't touch it. It's booby trapped. So now he finds a booby trap. He (laughs) couldn't figure out the pressure plate. But this one, he's like, oh, yeah, definitely booby trapped. And he picks up a gem. and He throws it at the spear to knock it off the pedestal. And then a giant rock crashes to the ground just where they would have been standing if they had picked it up. So yay.
0: Well, that was convenient. I'm still on your side. I don't understand why they didn't just leave the spear where it was supposed to be.
1: Right. They just left it in this, you know, amazing trapper that no one knew about and that the clue to figure it out was in this book no one could read that only they had. They should have spent their, like, resources trying to steal the spear back from the evil organization, not making the other spear pieces easier to access.
0: Yes. That's a very odd choice.
1: Anyway, they take the spear. Hooray! They got it. So they exit the temple and are immediately held at gunpoint by the evil Slyther gang.
0: Who's hot on their tail, apparently.
1: Apparently, yeah. They found him somehow. They tracked him to this temple. Magically.
0: Which doesn't make any sense because they're in the temple, so how would they ever know they'd gone into there?
1: Yeah, they're just like, oh, they're probably in there. We'll just wait for them to come out. <laughs> and so, again, I, I write here in my notes that if Lynn had never gotten the second piece, the evil people wouldn't have it, so the whole quest is dumb. <laughs> So anyway, the evil lady goes up to Flynn to take the spear and she kind of like fangirls a bit as she's talking to him. Okay. She's like, I really admire your work. She's got a thing
0: for librarians.
1: Well, but like him specifically, like, she thinks he's like this amazing adventurer because he jumped out of the plane without a parachute and he jumped into the river. And she's like, oh, he's really great at what he does. Wow. He's really impressive. So she's got like a huge <laughs> crush on him and it's kind of the best part of the movie.
0: <laughs> I want her to be the lead. The I know. She's great. lead. <laughs>
1: She's she's much better than Nicole. She's much more interested than Nicole. Anyway, she takes the spear and it goes back to stand with the bald guy. And they all escort Flynn and Nicole to their camp. And then Edward reveals himself. He's like, surprise,
0: still alive. What does Nicole say?
1: Nicole's like, you're still alive. And she's like, I saw you die. He's like, my death was just an elaborate special effect. See. And your tears were perfect. <laughs> what a tool. I know, but like also elaborate special effect that's your like <laughs> big reveal for how you think you're devil. Like, don't worry about it. I just like got some corn syrup and dyed it red. That's what we did. <laughs> but then he says I knew you'd bring the spear to me, which just proves my whole point. This quest is just helping the evil people more than anything else.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's bizarre.
1: So I guess his plan was to steal the first piece of the spear to get the librarians to try to get the other pieces, and like they'll try to get the other pieces if I do that. I don't see and, like, why
0: that was the logical thing to be doing at all, so I don't I wouldn't have planned on that.
1: No, it's very dumb, but apparently it worked. But <laughs> like Edward explains like he wanted power and that power is the ultimate aphrodisiac, so this is like sexual for him, this whole quest. Uh-huh. And that's his only motivation that they get is that he just likes power and it's an aphrodisiac. <laughs> that's it.
0: Okay. So I take back my previous statement that maybe he was good to begin with and turned evil. Yeah. I'm, yeah. And maybe, but like he's acting like he was kind of a tool all along.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, he was. He like he was faking being in love with Nicole the whole time or something like.
0: Yeah. That's so sad poor Nicole. So my point is to go back to my
1: original point, the librarians suck at their hiring process. You need to revamp that.
0: Yeah. Noah should look into that. He should be Flynn. concerned about Flynn. his position. Yeah,
1: you guys to say his character name at least once.
0: <laughs> Flanoa should be very concerned about this. Now, now,
1: you're, just a, now you're just being a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> being, being difficult. <laughs>
0: Just for you, Sam. And
1: then Edward pulls out a gun and he's about to kill Nicole. And Flynn goes, "You can't kill her. You need me to find the last piece. And I won't do it without her." And Edward's like, "What? I don't need you. I'm a librarian too, and I already have the book with all the clues in it."
0: So he has a copy.
1: He took it from him when they kidnapped him.
0: Oh, I missed that part. Right. That well, I mean, sense. obviously
1: he like when they when <laughs> they right. brought no, him into they... the camp, he he stole. He, they took all the good stuff from them, <laughs> the. <here laughs> I and the forgot book.
0: he got kidnapped. <laughs> Thought they were still just talking in front of the temple in my head.
1: No, they got captured and brought to the camp. Yeah, my God himself anyway and so he's like oh i've got the book so you know what do i need you for i'm also a librarian don't forget i have the same kind of training or whatever qualifications as you
0: nobody has the same qualifications as flynn
1: well that's true because apparently (laughs) flynn's like you can't read it because it's the language of the birds and only i was able to translate it on the plane over here in seven hours so (laughs) you couldn't possibly figure it out (laughs) And I'm like wait a minute why couldn't he figure it out like he's all again he can be a librarian too he could probably figure it out he has like the same qualifications enough to be a librarian but apparently only Flynn is magic enough to learn the language of the birds
0: Yeah that's nonsense
1: And at, at this point I'm like this is basically the book from Warriors of Virtue it's the same book
0: <laughs> the same book
1: It is. Only the protagonist can read, and everyone wants what's inside of it.
0: Unfortunately, they don't have, like, a 14-year-old kid telling them to pull their lives together.
1: (laughs) It's like, stop being wimps. (laughs) But it helped, actually. If if a 14-year-old kid was in that room when they were formulating the plan to go after that piece of the spear, like, wait a minute. Why don't we just, like, sit here and play video games? Better plan.
0: (laughs) They need you, Sam.
1: Ugh. Anyway, Edward's like, fine, I agree with the terms. Where's the next piece of the spear? And Flynn's like, it's at Shangri-La in the Himalayan mountains.
0: So wait, so the plan is either he helps them out. Yeah. Or- and then they kill them
1: after he finds the spear, presumably. <laughs>
0: Or d- he kills him
1: now and he just goes through the book himself.
0: <laughs> so basically, he's just buying himself more time to potentially get out of the situation.
1: Right. If I was Edward, I would not go in with it. I'd be like, I'm shooting you. I'm going to figure it out myself. I've already got two pieces of the spear, right? Remember, even one piece was enough for Hitler to cause all kinds of problems. Right. So having two pieces is probably pretty good. <laughs>
0: And you theoretically can learn the language because you have the same skill set. Yeah, as a and especially life if you period. have like
1: infinite time and two parts of the most powerful artifact, you you have twice as much power as you had when you sold the first piece of the spear. Like you're already ahead. Don't risk it. Kill Flynn. Be done yeah. with it.
0: <laughs> this is a dumb bad guy plan.
1: Dumb bad guy plan. Dumb good guy plan. Every plan in this movie is dumb. <laughs> All right, so and Nicole's like, what are you doing? Don't tell him that. And Flynn's like, just trust me, I got this. He's still going to need me to, to interpret the clues. And like, all right. So they get on a helicopter and they fly to the Himalayas. I guess, from the Amazon. We don't see that. They disappear magically in Asia.
0: They winked it out of existence.
1: Probably. They're on a helicopter. And this is great. The evil girl is sitting next to Flynn and she's just like really grinning at him like, yeah, <laughs> like looking at him like you know, with, with Gaga eyes. It's really funny. <laughs> And Flint's just kind of, like, looking at her a little weird because then he looks over at Nicole, who's sitting next to him, is like, I don't know. <laughs> it's probably my favorite part of the movie, her <laughs> being so into him. And him just being like, uh, okay.
0: I'm really rooting for those two. Uh don't. <laughs> <laughs> I can root for whoever I want in our sort of love triangle. <laughs> <laughs> Fair.
1: So the helicopters land at a base camp that's already set up somehow. They hike up this snowy mountain. Flint is leading the whole party through a blizzard. He slips and falls, but is saved by Nicole immediately for some reason. It's kind of pointless. It doesn't actually do anything but make the movie a little longer.
0: <laughs> so they get to the base camp. It's already set up. Did they, like, call their Himalayan friend to be like, hey, could you set up a base camp for us?
1: <laughs> I, I guess so. I guess the snake crew has a, has a huge tentacles or oh, of
0: course, I forgot fangs there.
1: all around the world or something. <laughs> I don't know.
0: <laughs> they just called their, their local friend there and they're like, hey, we're coming in. Could you please hey, set hey, that up? Hey, snake
1: local 357, can you set up a base camp for us? <laughs> (laughs)
0: We'll be there in approximately 0.02 seconds.
1: Because, uh, you know, we have magic helicopters that can fly you from the Amazon to (laughs) Asia in less than a day. Perfect. All right. So Edward is frustrated they haven't gotten anywhere yet. He pulls out a gun and is like, I'm just going to kill you now. I'm like, well, okay, maybe you could have done that earlier.
0: (laughs) What a waste of time and energy.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But luckily – the blizzard clears up that very moment and they look through this little crevice in the rock and there's Shangri-La. Perfect. Oh, good. Guess how many clues they had to interpret to, to find Shangri-La? None. None. <laughs> or they do like a montage. Like we never see. He just like, he looks at the book down like, oh, can points it like that way. And that's all they do. Like there's no actual like detective work on screen. <laughs>
0: well, I'm sure in his head he was like, well, I see a swallow that's only seen in the...
1: <laughs> oh, when a bird becomes a bird for a third time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> a lot of birds in this, maybe.
1: Apparently. So they go into Shangri-La and they find this you know, lush oasis and there's a Buddhist temple full of monks who welcome them in English and are like, it was long prophesied you would come. How much do you think we learned about that prophecy, Danielle?
0: Uh, I'm going to say everything. We learned everything <laughs> about this prophecy. <laughs> oh, Danielle,
1: I'm sorry. That's the <laughs> wrong answer. This is the extent about what we learned about this prophecy. <laughs> I don't even know why they mentioned it. There's no point in the prophecy.
0: <laughs> oh, you are the one from the prophecy. We are not going to tell you about. <laughs> yeah. You're one from the
1: prophecy. You're here. We all speak English because the prophecy told us to speak English.
0: It probably did. It said, and by the way, uh, the person will be English speaking. Please learn that in the next 6,000 years. <laughs>
1: <laughs> in the mystical land of Shangri-La. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Edward and his goons, they demand the spirit at gunpoint. And the monk's are like, all right, come on in. And they go into the temple and they lead him to this giant Buddha statue. And apparently the spirit is inside of that. But they're like, we do not know how to get inside of that. We're just the guardians. We don't know how to access it. So it's up to Flynn. And he's like, reading through the book, like, how do I get in there? And he's like, ah, the statue can only be opened by the name of God. Uh-oh, no one knows that name. It's the biggest secret in the Isn't universe. Isn't
0: that the same thing from the other... Or similar, different to, names to,
1: for Jesus. You, you mean Jehovah Je, from yeah. r- from The Last Crusade? Like, oh, in the Latin alphabet, Jehovah starts with an Yeah.
0: It's but, literally a riff on that.
1: Yeah, no, this movie cribs <laughs> so the end, Job. Like, everything in it is like a knockoff. It's great. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that makes me happy.
1: And and so I was like, you gotta figure out, like, and like, I don't know the name of God. Who knows the name of God? No one knows the name of God. <laughs> it's Norman. <laughs> N- Norman? <laughs>
0: Oh, no, It's the first name that came to mind.
1: <laughs> oh, well, you're going to be delighted by this answer, but Flynn, he sees some writing on the belly of the Buddha, and it's in I, I don't know what, like, um, alphabet Buddhist monks use for their language for, for their language. I don't know that. I'm, I'm sorry. I don't know that, but it's it's not the, the Latin alphabet, but that's important because Flynn smiles and goes M-E and pushes two of the letters, which are not M or E because, again, they're in a different language and a different alphabet, uh-huh. and the statue opens up.
0: So, it's me...
1: Me. He's like, the answer was me because God is within us all.
0: Uh, I'm calling shenanigans you know, on that.
1: <laughs> there's so much that's wrong with this. One, why would this other language use the same two letters for me as English? Right. right. Two, why would there be a one-to-one like translation of the letter M to their language letter whatever it is?
0: Yeah, that's
1: unlikely. I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't know alphabets. I'm not a linguist, but... <laughs> It's, it's not, it's definitely like a completely different alphabet. And he's like, oh yeah, that's the M and that's the E. And that's how they say me in their language, which is me in our language. And that's how you, the name of God. I'm like, no, you are full of it, movie. This is worse than him just figuring out that, oh yeah, the stars go around the galaxy. That's what a bird is.
0: (laughs) Or maybe he's saying that he is God, Sam. (laughs) That was my first thought
1: was like, ah, I'm God because I am the librarian who has the most knowledge, whoever has the most knowledge, the most powerful person on the earth. But like, apparently it was much more schlocky than that. (laughs)
0: But much less egotistical.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, you're not as egotistical as I am. (laughs) So the Buddhist, uh, his stomach opens up and there is the spear and Edward's about to take it. And he's like, wait a minute, Flynn, you take it. I don't trust this. So Flynn reaches in, he grabs a spear and he gives it to Edward and nothing happens. And then as they're walking away, the statue starts to like rumble and collapse. And so Nicole uses that distraction to kick some butt and she takes the spear and the book and they run out and as they're about to steal a helicopter... That was brought into Shangri-La because apparently you can bring helicopters to (laughs) Shangri-La. I don't know how that works. One of the monks yells at them, guard it well. The spear opens a door that must be kept closed.
0: Does does it turn out that Nicole is actually evil? We'll get to that, Danielle. <laughs> does it? Does she? Is she really? We'll get to that.
1: Don't <laughs> worry. But then my question is, again, that that one parting shot about how guard the spear well, because it opens a door that must be kept closed. A, what? That was never part of the spear's mythology up until this point. It was just supposed to give the, the person who wielded it unbelievable power.
0: Well, apparently one of the powers is opening up a portal that nobody else knows exists.
1: <laughs> but then again, if... The whole purpose is not to bring the spear pieces together because they'll open up a, a terrible door. Going to Shangri-La and getting the third spear piece just makes that more likely. Like, no, you're doing this <laughs> Stop wrong, guys. getting the spear pieces. Right. Stop assembling the key to the evil door, <laughs> if there is one, that's helping the bad guy. Like, if, they would never have found Shangri-La without you. They would never have opened the Buddha statue without you. Like, none of this would have happened if you hadn't helped them. <laughs> <It's> so dumb. <laughs> Also, do you want to know what that portal is, Danielle? Yes. So would I.
0: Because <laughs> <laughs> I never get into it. <laughs> it never mentions it again.
1: Nothing ever comes of it.
0: <laughs> that seems like a big default to not bring back into the, the plot. Nope. nope. The spear
1: opens the door. It must be kept closed. we we'll never worried about that door. Nothing ever opens. Nothing ever comes through a door. Nothing's like, oh, we have to close it before the evil thing comes in. Nope. None of that happens.
0: Oh, that's an interesting choice. So this whole
1: line is pointless. <laughs> Anyway, I just love that.
0: <laughs> Maybe it was, like, accidentally left in from another plot line that they ended up cutting out.
1: <laughs> yeah, or, like, some rewrite. Who knows?
0: <laughs> and then once it was, like, published out in the world, they were like, oh, dang it. <laughs> <laughs> now it's just weird.
1: <laughs> I feel like that's something I would do. Like, I feel like I'd do that probably with this podcast. We put out an ad I'm like, oh, no, I left that in there. <laughs> so I, I empathize with that. So they steal a helicopter, and Flynn flies it based on theory alone, which BS, because... <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> Especially helicopters, of all things. Yeah, I know. And like,
1: a military helicopter. This is not like just your, your simple helicopter. <laughs> yeah. No. But they fly off to Mongolia where they land and they get into a hotel room. Like, that's their big plan. They go to Mongolia and, and, and pop into a hotel room. Like,
0: like the closest city.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's like, hey, let's just go to, get a hotel and
0: call it a day. We did it.
1: And I'm like, maybe not? Because <laughs> A, the snake crew still has two pieces of the spear, which is more than you have at this point, so they have, like, more power on balance.
0: But he has access to all the other tools in the library if he ever gets home sure but like the whole point was to get
1: the piece of the spear away from the snake people and they already have two pieces which again the very thing that that judson said was even one piece is incredibly dangerous
0: i get it so it's like
1: you not you you haven't won yet you've just like made sure that it'll become all powerful they're still very powerful (laughs) but bobby appears on the tv to flynn and he's like oh look i got the spear and bobby's like oh yeah great job is bobby evil no we'll get to that (laughs) And he's like, yo, you may want to get that door. And then there's a knock on the door and he disappears off the TV. And in comes a butler with champagne. And Flynn's like, I didn't order any champagne. And that's when the bathroom door opens and Nicole pops out in a robe, still wet from the shower and goes, but I did.
0: And she drugs him. <laughs>
1: So Nicole is just suddenly all into him. Like, she is so ready to bone down with Flynn after, like, A, not learning anything about her previous relationship with the library and how that turned out. And B, being totally disinterested in him the entire time thus far. Does she drug him? And what she says is, you must have read books on how to make love. And he's like, oh, yes, hundreds. (laughs) Gross. And then Flynn's phone rings, because apparently his cell phone gets surfaced in Mongolia.
0: His yeah, it's a magic phone cell phone, there. He explained, Bobby explained that earlier. Oh,
1: I'm sorry, I should have listened to Bobby. <laughs> oh, Bobby Newhart knows all about cell phone technology. <laughs> <laughs> but Nicole answers the phone and says, Flynn's busy and hangs up. Ew. And then they go out like wild monkeys.
0: No. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. And so we learned the person calling was Flynn's mother, who's like, a woman answered his phone. She like jumps up and down with her friends who's having lunch with her or whatever. Like, oh, a woman answered
0: his phone. by He's with a woman. So that's cute. It's cute because he's not getting kidnapped or apparently drugged by the champagne. We'll get to that.
1: <laughs> because later in the post coma, Flynn wakes up alone in the room. And he quickly sees that the spear is gone. Flynn runs downstairs, wrapped in a sheet, because apparently putting on pants would take too long. He starts <laughs> asking everybody, like, have you seen the beautiful woman I was with? And nobody does. And then Bobby appears on the TV in the lobby. And Flynn says, so like, either the sneaky boys got Nicole, or she was in cahoots with them all along.
0: In cahoots. In cahoots.
1: And he and Bobby are just disgusted this out loud in the middle of the lobby like secrecy much guys
0: <laughs> nobody's gonna believe there's an entire like museum building full of secret artifacts well, they're gonna
1: believe that like a magic guy appeared on tv and had a conversation with an american <laughs> But Bobby was like, we still have a chance since it'll take a great energy to repair the spear. And he like named some number on some imaginary scale probably or a scale I'm not familiar with. And Flynn's (laughs) like, oh, the only energy source that was great enough for that was when the Great Pyramids, when they had the full moon was at the peak full moon and they had their capstone on just when that amount of energy was generated or something like, what? Oh, good.
0: Well, at least they have a, a little 120th of a scale model. How convenient you
1: remember that, Danielle, because <laughs> oh no, they just made a replica of the pyramid with the capstone explicitly at the beginning of the movie in the museum. I have a lot of questions about this.
0: <laughs> really? Shocking.
1: I mean, do you have questions, Danielle? Because
0: I do. Yeah. Um, I have many questions, but go ahead, Sam. My question is, for one, what? The the pyramids are energy generating machines now for some reason? (laughs) Uh, So so this only works during the full moon?
1: The the, the height of the full moon, like the fullest full moon. I don't
0: know what that means. Is that conveniently like tomorrow or something? (laughs) It is absolutely tomorrow, Danielle. (laughs) No movie ever is it like three three weeks weeks away.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we got time. Or like, oh, just yesterday. We're good.
0: (laughs) Like, dang it, we just missed it.
1: Yeah, the peak full moon, is so, uh, whatever that was, it's conveniently tomorrow night. But my other question is, how could a 120th replica generate the same energy as the original giant pyramids of Giza?
0: Yeah, I, I don't think it would. This is
1: all BS, it's absolute nonsense. <laughs> but Flynn's like, get the marines, we gotta go there right now. I'm heading back, I'm coming home. And then presumably just charges a plane back to wherever.
0: So they get the marines, like the government marines?
1: That's what he says. He's, cause Are they, Flynn like, involved
0: thinks- in this the secret society? No, not at all. <laughs> oh, okay. You just call, like, 1-800-MARINES and you're like, hey, yeah, I'm the librarian for <laughs> I this think place. It's more
1: like, you know, get some backup. We're going to need help.
0: <laughs> Can I talk to who's ever in charge of the Marines? <laughs>
1: <laughs> the president, Danielle. It's the president. <laughs> that, you should know that.
0: <laughs> I don't. In fact, I would be useless with this task if somebody told me to do it.
1: It's commander in chief, Danielle. He leads the armed forces. <laughs> Come on.
0: But I wouldn't go to him. I would go to like whoever's like beneath him.
1: The Secretary of Defense?
0: I don't know. Like whoever's in charge of the I don't know, Sam.
1: <laughs> the Secretary of Defense, Danielle. <laughs> how do you know so little about a government
0: no you it's not that it's that i wouldn't start there i would end up like okay like what's the manager and then you go above the manager you like you oh, work gonna, your like, way up gonna, you're like, just calling call 1-800 it random Pentagon,
1: like let me speak to the lowest of marine oh sergeant can you put me in charge with some lieutenant can you, you i'm just saying you
0: could call the secretary of defense but like you're not gonna get through
1: you think you can get through to anyone else you're like oh yeah we'll definitely let them know bye <laughs>
0: Oh, that's why I was confused about how you ever got a hold of the Marines.
1: <laughs> Flynn, he's not thinking. He just made a flippant remark, all right? He's like, get some help. We're going in, is what he meant. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, but we cut to the next night. Flynn shows up at the museum, and then Bobby shows up. And he's like... Hey, where are the Marines? And then Bobby pulls down his shirt to reveal a tattoo. The Marine tattoo is like, Semper Fi. I'm like, all right. <laughs> That's he's the funny. Marine. He is the Marine. He's like, I, I brought the Marine. I'm here. And apparently also Bobby was a librarian at 1.2. Ooh,
0: now he's in charge of the librarians. Well, like he's a,
1: like, you know, apparently they, they age out pretty quickly or whatever. So,
0: Like an Olympian who's now a coach. <laughs>
1: yeah, pretty much. Exactly that. So he's like, don't worry. I can definitely help. And Fun's like, all right.
0: But now he's like a magical librarian.
1: Because he magics through walls. I don't know, Danielle. <laughs>
0: Oh, I have questions. <laughs> Those powers never come up again. Do they like? Does he like? Once you age out of being a librarian, do you like go to a higher plane?
1: <laughs> is he like? Is it like Nirvana? Like, I say Nirvana kind of thing. Yeah, you're
0: talking about? Like, <laughs> how does he end up with magic He's powers? He's like a fourth
1: level wizard, and Flynn is a second level wizard. It's
0: like, I'm you're serious. Not how does it work? <laughs>
1: Who knows? Maybe the um, the other movies or the TV show elaborate on the uh, the, the structure of the librarian hierarchy. Yeah, has
0: but some real questions.
1: <laughs> it's a good question, Danielle. I wish I had answers for them. But just to know that he was a librarian, so was Edward. There are three librarians in this movie, Danielle. I'll call it The Librarian. We
0: do, but two of them are, seem to be just normal humans, and then one seems to have magical teleportation powers. <laughs>
1: Or he's using some artifact that grants him those powers. Who knows? I would assume so. Absolute BS. It doesn't actually bring anything to help. He doesn't bring any artifacts to help out in this all-important quest.
0: (laughs) He also seems to live in the library or of the library. Absolutely, probably. (laughs) That seems concerning. Maybe when they said that this is the only job you're going to have for the rest of your life, they were dead serious about that. (laughs) I think he he was, not joking. (laughs) You're gonna live in this library forever.
1: One of us. One of us.
0: (laughs) They're actually a cult, Sam. That's how this movie turns out in the end.
1: They're they're dumb enough to be a cult with how their plans work out.
0: Oh goodness.
1: So anyway, Flynn and Bobby they break into the museum and Flynn finds his ex-professor is there with the his gang and he's like oh he was doing he's in on it he's one of them i'm like all right that's convenient <laughs> which is probably why the pyramid was built to help facilitate the stake plan i'd assume nicole was also there but she is captive, uh, so apparently she wasn't in cahoots.
0: Are we sure it's not like a ploy? She's actually in cahoots, pretending to be captive. That
1: would make more sense, Danielle, because I have a lot of questions about her not being in cahoots. Because <laughs> a, how did they kidnap her and steal the spear out of that room with Flynn in it and just leave Flynn alone? Like, why didn't they kill him or capture him too?
0: And he didn't wake up for any of that. She didn't make didn't any noise. did wake up,
1: like, or did she like take the spear for a walk? You're like, oh, I'll take the spear for a walk, take <laughs> her and then like nabbed her out while she's out and about, like.
0: It's like, it looks any like sense. it's like, bored. I'm going to take it out for a little bit.
1: Yeah, it has to like relieve itself on the lawn or something.
0: <laughs> I don't understand
1: how the snake crew, they bring it to the hotel room. They kidnap. I mean, presumably that's how they had to do it because Nicole was all about never letting the librarian out of her sight because she's the bodyguard.
0: Right. So it seems weird that she would have ever left the hotel room in any exactly that would never happen.
1: So, and of course, they were both in a, in a post-coital state. So I don't think she was like, I'm going to take a little walk.
0: <laughs> Maybe she answered the door. Maybe somebody knocked.
1: Yeah, but then they had to go in and find the spear hidden under the bed. So they had to get into the hotel room. Yeah, you would capture think Nicole since get she's the spear. A bodyguard, and be like, you think oh. she would have
0: made more noise?
1: Yeah, she would have probably fought or something. Maybe they blow darted her. Fine, but then if they were in the room, they see Flynn lying, uh, you know, asleep on the bed. Kill him. Be done with it. Why, <laughs> why leave him? Just like, oh, I'm sure it'll be fine. If we just leave Flynn alone. The only person with the knowledge and skills to foil our plan. <laughs>
0: It's so they could have more movies, Sam.
1: (laughs) I know that, but again, dumb plan. Dumb plan. They should have won. Even with the dumb snake plan, they should have (laughs) won. So anyway, oh, this is great. The, there's a small group, and it looks like a very small group. They clearly didn't hire that many extras of Of snake crew people are standing in front of the pyramid as Edward lifts up the spear and is like, calls down the ancient god's power. And a big beam of light comes from the moon onto the pyramid and bathes the pyramid in a really made-for-TV quality special effect in blue light. And the small group of people go, snake, 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 snake. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> and then just do it twice. And that's it. <laughs> it's so good.
0: So even if you got only one twentieth of the power of the three spears, it'd probably still be quite a lot of power, right?
1: I mean, sure, but like <laughs> that's my point. It's like, it wasn't that they needed one twentieth of the power. It's that like to reforge the spear, since it took so much energy to break it apart, you needed that much energy to put it back together. Yeah. So I don't having one twentieth isn't going to reassemble the spear. Is my point.
0: <laughs> duct tape, Sam.
1: <laughs> uh, well, then that has there's unlimited power in duct tape. We know that. All right, it's a chant, snake, snake,
0: snake, snake. <laughs> so dumb.
1: It's great. <laughs> so Edward, the evil girl, the bald hench guy, and Nicole all go inside the pyramid where Edward uses a... Column of light, like from the moon, is hitting the capstone of the pyramid and projecting a column of light into the pyramid chamber, because that's how that works.
0: Is there like a hole in the ceiling?
1: There's like a glass skylight. It's like in the middle of a, like an atrium that's kind of convenient.
0: thing. That's <laughs> convenient.
1: Yeah, I know. Well, it's what the <laughs> evil professor built it there for a reason, Danielle.
0: How hilarious would it have been to have built it and then realized belatedly that you put it in a room with a roof? <laughs>
1: <laughs> that would be really oh, good. It. I mean, these guys are pretty dumb. I wouldn't put it past them. <laughs> He's using a column of lightning, throws the spear chunks, and they float in the column of lightning, they reassemble, oh, the spear is remade. Meanwhile, Bob and Flynn, they sneak around to get in the pyramid, but we cut back to Edward, who has the spear assembled, and once he has it, he just stabs his bald henchman, just stabs him right in the, right in the stomach. Why? And kills him, because he has power- you need power blood over- sacrifice? Nope, just for fun. Now he's like, now he has power over life and death or something.
0: What? No.
1: <laughs> and, and the henchman's soul is like sucked out and up along the spear into Edward. And they're both surprised by this. Okay. And then he like spins the guy around at the end of the pole into the column of light where he is like disintegrated by the moonlight.
0: Like the body is?
1: Yeah. Like, well, he's still so, alive, kind of. Just soul's just been sucked out. And then he gets, he's like screaming, like, ah, and he, like dies in the moonlight.
0: Okay. And so he now has Edward's soul in his body.
1: No, Edward has the hench guy's soul.
0: That's, sorry, that's what I meant. <laughs> I, Edward I guess has so. the henchman's soul in his body. Does I, I it? Guess? I guess. Inherently no, I, change him in any way? No. Does he just collect souls like little tokens in his body?
1: You just, I just, he just has it. It doesn't seem to affect him in any way.
0: Does he get more energy, life force? longer? Nope, none of that seems relevant.
1: Nothing happens. He just, <laughs> I it just don't happened.
0: Understand?
1: <laughs> There's no door that opened either. Just to bring that <laughs> back around. <laughs>
0: I didn't even remember that part.
1: (laughs) So then he turns the spear on Nicole. He's like, at last, now we will become one. I'm like, wait, what? And he's about to stab her. But yay, Flynn dive tackles him and sort of tackles him outside the pyramid. And then they're immediately surrounded by more snake jerks. However, that's when Bobby Newhart shows up just kicking all the bot. He just like goes kung fu fighter on them and like lays out all the hench people. And he kicks ass and he tells Flynn and Nicole to get the spear from Edward because Edward like threw him out of the pyramid.
0: So does he get some kind of like, you're not going to know the answer to this question. Nope. Does he? Get, so like when he's talking about Nicole becoming one or whatever, does he, he get some she's kind of like
1: stab her and steal her soul? Soul,
0: right? But like, does I just. Never mind, doesn't matter.
1: <laughs> I mean, I have no explanation for what happens when he gets their soul. Does he gain any like insight from them? Is it like they're still alive inside his body too? I, I have no answers to any of these questions.
0: Okay, then I will not ask them though. I I like that, to. The movie
1: doesn't care either. He says that one line and it immediately forgets that the spear does soul stealing. Like I have the whole point of the spear was to give someone the power to like conquer nations, right? Lead right. armies, that kind of thing. But now it's like, oh it opens a magic door, but actually it doesn't. Oh it steals soul. <laughs> It doesn't do anything with them.
0: It Just does everything, Sam. It, it's, it's like it's like this army knife, soul, <laughs> Skechers. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> just saying words now. I don't know.
1: <laughs> it's crazy.
0: Oh, All-purpose spear.
1: All-purpose spear. It slices. It dices. It steals <laughs> souls. It opens doors.
0: It conquers now nations. Now for only nineteen ninety-nine. <laughs> all you
1: need is a pink full moon and a pyramid with a capstone. Doesn't matter what kind of pyramid. Just any pyramid will do. <laughs> so Flint turns to go back into the pyramid to pursue Edward, and the evil girl confronts him as he's about to go inside, and is like, "You know, you doesn't have to be this way.
0: We're going to rule the world. You could join us." Is she? Isn't she not concerned that he just stabbed the bald guy? Uh, not really. <laughs> she's like, she's next. Okay. She's she was in there the when list. it happened,
1: standing right next to him, didn't seem to care.
0: <laughs> Deeply concerning. I worry about she's, her.
1: She's, she's, she's like, you can join us. It'd be cool. Like, you're kind of cute. That kind of thing. And that's when Nicole pops up, like, get your own man or get your own nerd or something. So she says, and then the two hot girls fight because, you know, movies. Some kind of law. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Nicole wins. I'm not going to say any more about it because it's not a very interesting fight. <laughs> So meanwhile, uh, Flynn goes inside and fights Edward, who's like, you know, chasing him around inside with a spear and like taking chunks out of the walls as he's stabbing at him. And just as Edward's about to land a killing blow, the pyramid starts to shake and collapse because, remember, Danielle,
0: if even one stone is an inch out of alignment, the whole pyramid will come down. Even though we didn't believe that to be good with, so that it's a plot point is stupid. (laughs) It's stupid. It's absolutely not true.
1: Like pyramids do not work that way. The whole point is they're strong. But it starts collapsing, and Flynn suddenly is like, he says that thing from his mom about it's not what's up here, and he punches him in the head, it's about what's in here, and pushes him in the chest. (laughs) as he pushes him, Edward falls down, and the capstone falls out of the center of the pyramid and just crushes him, like, flattens like a pancake. So this
0: doesn't, like, give him immortality or something? Nope, dead
1: crushed by pyramid.
0: What kind of crazy spear is this? Well,
1: and the spear of its own volition flies out of the hand of Edward as he's crushed and flies over into into Flynn's hand to be caught.
0: So you can remember his name either. You wanted to call him Noah.
1: No, I want I couldn't rem- I wanted to say something about like the spear being smart and that's dumb. <laughs> don't lie sam i'm not why does the spirit like suddenly have the ability to fly around like excalibur like why does all magic (laughs) objects in this movie fly around
0: they all have personalities apparently it's so dumb
1: Yay, Edward has the spear! Edward exits the pyramid to find Nicole and Bob and a bunch of bodies. I don't know if they killed everyone or just defeated them in hand-to-hand combat, but yay, they win. They all share a moment, and we cut to the spear being returned to the library. The whole spear. So the whole, like, it's too powerful to be kept in one piece thing. It doesn't matter anymore. We can just put the whole spear in the the library, which was stolen from before, by the way. Like, the first place it was stolen from was the library. The other parts were safe in Shangri-La and the Mayan Temple. But let's put the whole spear in the library.
0: Do they address the issues with their security system? Well, Edward's dead, so I guess they're like, well, the guy who knew us inside and out is
1: dead, so we're probably fine. <laughs> That's it's so wild. dumb. The, the spear, they should have broken the spear back apart and put it in this, you know, it, like their, the whole quest was nonsense from the very beginning. The whole reason the spear was <laughs> broken into three pieces, clearly nonsense.
0: So the spear flying into Flanoa's hands, did they... Does it? Nope. Is it supposed to, like, warrant that he's the, like, give him some kind of credence as the leader?
1: I think it just saves him from him to walk over and pick it up. Is <laughs> the
0: honest answer. <laughs> I didn't want that in there. That's show. About all
1: that happens. Is he flies his hand and they put it in the case. and like, all right, we'll never touch the spear again.
0: Uh, that's a. Uh, I'm deeply concerned about this library. It's not well run. <laughs> all right. And then
1: Flynn takes a moment alone. He goes up to Excalibur and he pulls it from the stone. He is worthy. Yay. Uh, This time it doesn't fly out of the stone to his hand or something. Just he pulls it. I guess the can't always fly.
0: Bob's not evil.
1: (laughs) Nope. Bob's totally cool. He's just
0: a badass. (laughs) Darn.
1: Neither is Nicole. Nicole wasn't evil either. She was just incompetent, I guess, and got captured.
0: She's the worst guard I've ever seen. Why? I'm still upset that the Snake
1: the snake Clan didn't just murder Flynn in the hotel room when they clearly had the opportunity.
0: Why even kidnap her? Right. Just kill them both. Take the spear. Uh, job's a one. What was the point of kidnapping her? I didn't even think about that at the moment, but I thought it was going to play out. But it didn't play out. Why I think, I kidnap her? I
1: think Edward just is horny for her. Yeah, it's creepy. And it was like the whole thing, like stab her and become one or something. I don't know. It's like they have a whole bunch of like notions about what we want to make it like this and if we want to make it like a doorway like in Ghostbusters or what do you want to do like that like none of those ideas actually happen but they put all this setup in the movie but none of the capitalization on that none of the resolution
0: i wonder if any of the sequels deal with any of this stuff
1: i doubt it they're all about different things like king solomon's minds and other stuff
0: interesting what an odd it sounds fun it's a look the movie is
1: fun it's breezy it's light it's pretty funny. There's there's a lot of good chemistry because the actors are all pretty charming. But right. the plot is just the most utter nonsense I've ever heard. Like it's not even as coherent as the Raiders of the Lost Ark. You know, oh the <laughs> Ark and, and it melts Nazi faces or whatever. Like, you know, it, it doesn't make any even that much sense. It, it's so like slapdash. It's clearly just trying to make excuses to get the characters into situations where they can quip or like do cool fights. I'm, I'm here for that. So. It's good, but there's a I'd lot of quips. <laughs> <Like there's> a, <laughs> it's, a, it's not like – it's an hour and 40 minutes or whatever. So it's not like it's like an 80-minute a you know quick movie that just like breathes by. There's a lot in there. Anyway, I just find it weird that they spend so much effort on the writing of a lot of these plot points and the mythology and like the first 20 minutes of the movie and none of it matters.
0: None of it matters at all. Well, we'll have to see where Noah goes. Maybe you'll do Librarian librarian 2, Search for More Libraries. There's there's Librarian 2.
1: I forget what it's called. That might be the uh, Return to King Solomon's Mines. or maybe. sure it's not the
0: Search for More Libraries? It's definitely not. (laughs) Librarian 3, the Search for More Money.
1: (laughs) No, that was a Spaceballs joke.
0: (laughs) It can be in the Librarian 2.
1: Sure. Anyway, Bobby and Charlene, they lead Flynn to the Portrait Hall. Oh, we weren't done? I'm
0: sorry. No, we're not even close to done. (laughs) that was the end of the movie. I was like, check it no, out. <laughs> this movie has like
1: seven endings. So Bob and Charlene, they lead Flynn to the portrait hall and unveil his librarian portrait with him holding the spear. Yay! Yay! We cross dissolve. Three months later, he's having lunch with his mother and she's like talking to a group of girls sitting at a table next to them. They're like, hey, this is my son. You two would be, you all be really great. He's a really good guy. She's still trying to hook him up or something. It's and like your
0: like, number one fan.
1: <laughs> and he's like, no, mom, I'm telling you, I- I'm seeing somebody. And she's like, oh, yes, the mysterious Nicole. How come I never have a chance to meet her. It's like, it's complicated, mom. And then suddenly a motorcycle revs and jumps over the barrier into this like outdoor cafe area and revs up to the table. And it's Nicole in a cool black motorcycle outfit with a helmet. She pulls her helmet off and like waves her hair about it. it's like, oh, it's so nice to meet you. Flynn's told me all about you.
0: That's quite the meeting.
1: And then, you know, Flynn gets up and she takes him aside for a moment. And she says, Flynn, the deadly scorpion link has found H.D. Wells's time machine and we're the only ones who can get it back. <laughs> and then I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Okay, this library is getting double by the second. One,
0: <laughs> Mystical
1: Artifacts fine, cool. I get that. Then you have, you know, the Mona Lisa and a unicorn and a A jetpack. And now, are all fictional things in this world true too? Like, (laughs) H.G. Wells wasn't a mystical figure. He wasn't a legendary person. He was just an author who wrote a book about a time machine. Why is his time machine
0: suddenly a real thing? Was it being stored in the museum library? I mean, if that's true, then they really didn't make their security any better. (laughs) That was my next question is like, it, did it get stolen from it?
1: No, I'm going to say no, because they used the word found, not stolen.
0: Well, maybe they found it in the library. <laughs>
1: okay. Oh, <laughs> it was right here behind the nonfiction section.
0: <laughs> That's a They clearly Their security is obviously terrible. Oh, it's
1: lax as heck. It's, it's basically just uh, one... Man, Bob Newhart, and maybe Charlene when she's there.
0: What's the, okay, I know that they said he got through on a loophole, but you think that when a librarian, like, turned evil and went to the dark side, that you would, like, patch up those loopholes so they couldn't get, like, what change do you mean he the got password? got through on a loophole? There
1: was no loophole. They just hired him.
0: No, but the bad, no, I'm talking about when he, when he broke in.
1: Oh, they don't explain how. He just said, oh, he knows our secrets. They said there was something about a failsafe and he knew that's about it. I mean, knew- that's what
0: I meant, the failsafe. I just couldn't remember the word. So, like, they should have fixed that.
1: <laughs> My understanding was the failsafe just limited how much time they had. Like, he knew because of the failsafe, they only had enough time to get one item before they so had to get out. how did
0: get in there?
1: I don't know, Danielle. It's dumb. The whole They don't explain the security. They don't explain. They have, like, the missile keys. But apparently, anyone who can just, like, go into the building and, like, kill the guards and take the keys and get in there, it's not hard.
0: It just feels like if you're librarian with evil, you would change, like, your security system so they could never get back in.
1: You would think that, but they, they don't. I, but they all thought he was dead, Danielle, to be fair.
0: I don't care. That's just like protocol. It's like if you fire somebody, some businesses change their locks. <laughs> change
1: the, I, I agree. Uh, but, you know, again, I assume they thought he was dead. So, you know, not really worried about him coming back. But you're right. As soon as they learned he was still alive, that's the time to be like, okay, we got to change our protocols here.
0: Yeah, that's wild to me.
1: Anyway, Deadly Scorpion League, because obvious. Great name. But I'm still upset that, like, why are suddenly fictional things real now? Like, are we going to find that everything Jules Verne wrote about is suddenly true, too? Because this is just like those, those Journey to the Center of the Earth movies with the Ah. Yes, it's true too. Oh yes, of course. I mean, that's my point. Like this world is making less and less sense. Like I thought it was just mystical artifacts. Now suddenly everything is on the table.
0: Sorry, I was still contemplating the idea of the lock system and how she Nicole saw what's his face <laughs> get. That. Okay, he's. I'm sorry, <laughs> Nicole saw what's his face get murdered by this. The yeah, this, beheaded. Yeah, by and she knew who did it.
1: Yeah. They, okay, they yeah, crew. that's
0: when you change your lock system. Because you have to assume that he, even if he died, you'd have to assume that they somehow had information on him.
1: They, they interrogated him or something.
0: Yeah like, you would change your entire security Yes, system. Danielle.
1: The security is very lax. Okay, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> we, we all agree on that. I, I never disagree with that. I, <laughs> I felt
0: like I it was a loophole. Like, oh, he died, so therefore they didn't do anything about it. I'm like, well, wait a second. They know how he died. <laughs> uh,
1: all I'm saying is it's more understandable not to change your lock if you think the person who has all your secrets is dead. I still think it's not good. I'm just saying it's slightly better.
0: It wasn't like a car accident or something, though. It was like they saw him get murdered by the bad librarians. I would just assume the bad librarians now have Inville. It's possible. I mean, they're just like
1: killing the good librarians. I don't know. Like, there's a about their interactions with the evil librarian society that they don't talk about.
0: <laughs> okay. Anyway, I'm sorry. Time machines, utter nonsense. I'm, I'm Every I'm fictional thing is now
1: possibly real. Anyway, Flynn gets on the back of the motorcycle and they jet off. He apologizes to his mom about needing to leave and they drive off into the sunset on the streets of whatever city this is. The end.
0: This is the real end.
1: This is the actual ending, yes. <laughs> okay. I will say the end when it's the end. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I really thought it ended three innings ago. Yeah. It was like Lord of the Rings.
1: <laughs> yeah, it kind of was. Exactly like that. So that is The Librarian, a movie about a guy who was barely a librarian because he doesn't do any actual like library work. He goes on adventures instead.
0: <laughs> well, that's what The Librarian does, Sam.
1: Yeah. Well, I'll have to remember that next time I'm looking at librarian job postings. <laughs>
0: Why is it called the library? Are there actual books in there besides
1: like the fancy books? Yeah, there's like bookshelves and in in the vault there are bookshelves and reading tables and then just cabinets full of curios.
0: So it's like a library library too. It just yeah. also has all these antiquities Well, at the Metropolitan
1: Library is where the secret base is. So
0: that's why he's considered a library and not just like a I don't know a curator or something. Well, that's
1: what <laughs> I think is cuz like apparently they're trying to like trace it back to like all the way back to the, you know, Library of Alexandria, which was the original library before we moved it to the city or whatever. I'm like, "But when did library you start collecting. That's museum stuff, is collecting <laughs> artifacts, right? Yeah, that, that that seems more curious. in their wheelhouse. <laughs> like knowledge and books, I get. Like if you had like hidden knowledge, like the book of the bird language, sure, that makes sense. You hang on to the secret book that tells you where all the artifacts are, but hoarding artifacts doesn't seem really your job.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting choice to be a librarian.
1: Yeah, well... There throws it everybody
0: is. off the scent. Also, evil librarians, way funnier than evil curators.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. The the <laughs> Splinter Cell librarians is really I really want to like know more about them. Like, I mean really the sequels.
0: Like, I mean, I know they're
1: like bent for world domination. But I want to imagine like we will arrange the books so they're not
0: in alphabetical <laughs> order. <laughs> I have to assume that's their hobby.
1: <laughs> it's just, like, Maybe that's how life. they start
0: out when they're like little children evil librarians.
1: We're going to take the books, make them overdue, and dog-ear the pages, and then not
0: pay the fine. Yes. (laughs) I, I'd i like to imagine that's how they find their future, like, people to oh, recruit, people recruit for, to for their evil yeah. librarians, is they, like, watch children and see what they do. That raises
1: a good <laughs> question, Danielle. How do they ever recruit people for the evil, you know, snake crew if, well, like... That
0: wasn't any different than the good librarians. Well, maybe the good librarians, like, process.
1: scour, you know, academic institutions and send out magic letters, and then do a whole interview process. I doubt, like, the hench people are like, hey, are you an academic? Because most of them are just, like, thugs. <laughs>
0: well, maybe they, like, have... Their ear to the ground, and they hear about the people that are like not on the up and up. I don't
1: know; it doesn't make any sense. Also, I really am disappointed that the evil lady, whose name is never mentioned, I think once in the movie. <laughs> I really wanted her to be like Dan Girl and continuously like over, and then he like somehow she gets involved with the good people, and she like hired They're like, you know what? I've come around, Flynn. You're so hot. you convinced me, or something like that.
0: Well, she doesn't die, right?
1: She just gets her butt kicked. She's just gone.
0: So maybe she's in the sequels Sam. Yeah. Hopefully,
1: guess who's not in the sequels? Nicole. Nicole. <laughs> yeah,
0: for Nicole, she was. A t- Terrible guardians. So that's fair. She probably got fired, and then they didn't change their alert system, security system.
1: Yeah, I did read really mention that what happens to her is explained in one of the episodes of the TV show. Like for, or uh, something somewhere in there. <laughs>
0: it's like- really belated they are like oh yeah I remember that girl from that first movie like six years ago yeah basically
1: more than (laughs) that
0: she is somewhere else (laughs) I
1: think the TV show happened in like 2014 like 10 years ago
0: (laughs) she is no longer involved with our organization and we felt the need to explain this four seasons into this TV show and three movies later (laughs) or maybe it was
1: the fourth episode of the first season I don't know but the point is I'd like to assume
0: it's fourth season Sam
1: (laughs) well and the point is in neither of the two sequels is she even brought up I guess or mentioned
0: that's wonderful
1: yeah so that's The Librarian, The Quest for the Spear.
0: That's fabulous. You go, Noah Wiley.
1: It was a movie whose entire plot was unnecessary. If the library, <laughs> if they hadn't hired Noah Wiley, none of this would have happened because Edward would stolen the first piece of the spear, but had no idea where the other parts were and no one could translate the book. So
0: they would have been <laughs> That safe. would have been hilarious. I wonder if he timed it to wait till there was another librarian. I, I, I think maybe they did because
1: Edward was all about like trying to use them to get the other pieces for himself. Which
0: is a nonsense plan.
1: It's a – the whole – every plan in this movie is nonsense. Like,
0: <laughs> if any
1: of the good people just done nothing, any of the evil people had also just done nothing. It would have been fine. <laughs> And I want to know what the freaking door the spear opens is.
0: Yeah, that's wild. <laughs>
1: maybe one of our listeners who is more familiar with the librarian mythos can explain to me, A, why the Mona Lisa's in there, because I'm still upset about that. And B, maybe what the spear does with the whole soul-sucking door opening stuff. Because there's clearly something there that I just don't understand.
0: We could also use somebody, an architect perhaps, to let yeah. us know if, in fact, a uh, pyramid would fall down if you moved yeah, a one structural stone engineer. an inch. Yeah,
1: a structural engineer, and architect, Someone who knows geometry, like basic geometry, could just get in touch with us and tell us like maybe pyramids are that precise, but I I don't think so, especially on that scale.
0: But we'd love to hear otherwise. We'd be fine being corrected on that point.
1: Actually, if you want to like send a video of you making a proof about that, like (laughs) constructing a model pyramid and proving it, or just the mathematics of it, I would love to see that. You can send all that information, all your pyramid-related questions and answers to BookRetorts.com.
0: Or you can tweet at us, Facebook, Instagram us, at BookRetorts.
1: And if you're a fan of bonus content and of this podcast and want to support us, you can do that at Patreon.com slash BookRetorts.
0: Patreon!
1: (laughs) Well, until next time, Danielle, just avoid the snake bite, I guess.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I guess. Snake, 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 snake. (laughs) Snake. No, they don't do it. They just do it. It's (laughs) snake, 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 snake. Oh, I'm sorry for getting the thing wrong that gotta I didn't You got the hear. rhythm right, did you? <laughs> it's not snake,
1: snake, snake. That'd make too much sense. But
0: <laughs> sorry. Snake, snake. Snake, snake. There you go.
1: And just twice. <laughs> Woo!
0: <Woo-hoo>.
1: Go snake. <laughs> I kind of want to be part of that group. They say I'm cool. They have like punk rock outfits in the jungle. They're led by a crazy dude. It seems like they have a party going on. It's great. <laughs> All right. Well, until next time. Bye.
0: Take care, everybody. <laughs> You can only be a hippie or a hipster in this town. There's no, <laughs> there's no in between.
1: Really? So you have to be one or the other. That's close-minded of you.
0: Well, you've been here.
1: <laughs> what would you classify me as, Danielle?
0: If you could only be a hippie or a hipster, you're a hipster. But you're not in real life. <laughs>
1: Promise, I lack the first part of that word, which is hip.
0: <laughs> I'm just saying if those are the only two cultures in this city, then that would be what you'd fall into.
1: This is another dystopian novel that you could write about. Like, in our <laughs> the town, novel. there are only two categories, and yet birth, you're assigned to be either a hipster or a hippie.
0: But don't worry. Since we're writing the novel, the protagonist is neither. Steps outside yes. of the zone. The, they have
1: both elements of both. <laughs> they have the long beard and the love of fish concerts of the hippie, <laughs> but also the pretentiousness and love of craft beers of the hippie i <laughs>